Hey, everybody. How's it going? This is Joe Mignoso from Chicago Fire, and you are listening to Meet Us at Molly's, the One Chicago Podcast. Not gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. All right, everybody, welcome back to Meet Us at Molly's episode 281. Um, this week we are covering Med 903, Fire 1203, and PD 1103. Um, Gina is not here tonight, but that's okay because I am joined by my lovely friend, Rachel. Rachel, how are you? I'm good. I'm excited for today. I'm excited that you're back. It's quite the week for you to be filling in because there's <laughs> a lot that happened. I feel like I usually get the like more boring weeks and I'm like, aha, this is a good one. I was trying to think, was it the last time you were on, was that the penultimate? I think so. I think I did get it exciting. Like I think Gina was just traveling, but yeah. sometimes it's like a dull, I think I did a December one once that was like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But you picked, I picked quite the week for you to have come fill in because yeah there's just a lot <laughs> a lot um, a lot so normally we start with the news but we don't really have any real news so because we don't have that Rachel I want to ask you obviously we don't have that many episodes to go off of so far but what are your thoughts so far on these seasons are you enjoying them really not <laughs> really guess. not really like I'm not enjoy- I'm loving the fact that TV is Right. Like, and it's like the first of TV to really be back. Exactly. I was like, so not much else is back. So I love the fact that I have something to watch at night or left on my DVR. Right. I'm underwhelmed with our Chicago world. Um, one for some of the people who left, some because the stories are just taking a little bit to to jump in. But this week I didn't feel that, that way. If you asked yeah. me last week, I felt that way. Now I'm feeling like, okay, I'm actually liking all three of them again. They're like getting back into their groove for you. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. It's been a weird season so far on like all of them. Yeah. A good, good, but like also very weird. Very weird and very like for having been gone so long, you kind of wanted this like big bang, especially because it was already the new year and all that. And it was all just kind of like a. Oh, like a lot, like they weren't awful. Like there was yeah. nothing where I was like, it was absolutely awful. Like writing was good. Stories were good. It just wasn't the like, wanted something big and grand and like, welcome back. TV is back. Let's do this. Yeah. No, I, I understand that. And I think the time jumps didn't necessarily help that either. Cause it's like, oh, they're back in real life. But we're like, we're, we just got you back. Like we're not there yet. So I, I feel that sometimes. I feel that. Wait, were they they time jumped? Yeah, all three of them, six months. So I think I kind of realized that, but didn't like fully yeah. realize that. Now I'm now that makes makes even more sense. Yeah. Like it they, wasn't, I mean, some of some of the finales were like big and surprising, but some of them were just like quieter than usual for these shows. Yeah. So I guess I just didn't notice. Yeah. Which is why, like, now she's all of a sudden now back at work. Why Ruzik was, like, off for a while. 
Yes. Okay. I got it. Why Severide is all of a sudden back now and like nobody's like acting weird about it. Yeah. Eh, I don't know if I would agree with that. Well, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. To them, it's like more normal that he's already back versus us. We're like, oh, wait, you know, you just came back. Like, why are we not making a big deal of it? Oh, no, he's been back for six months. Give or take. Okay. That, That makes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll take it. Yeah, I think it's just, it feels like the middle of the season when it's not. That's, I yes. guess, where I'm going. Yes, I I feel like that sometimes. I'm like, wait, how do we only have 10 more episodes? I feel like we just got them back. And I'm like, oh, no, we have 10 more. Like, that's it. We have 10 more, but we're also still in the beginning of the season. And it feels like usually at this point, you're, like, adjusting back to things. And, like, it almost feels like there was a whole half a season when the strike was going on. And we just yeah. didn't see it. That's yeah. kind of where I'm I get that. I feel like that was some other stuff, too. Like, I was watching, like, just the fact, like, other shows that are coming back. I'm like, wait, but I'm only going to get them for 10 episodes? Like, that doesn't feel like nearly enough time. Yeah. Now, I'm choosing to believe that they have this secret half a season that just, like... Exists somewhere out in the world. Somewhere that, like, makes up for the kind of, like, dreary feeling. Like, it feels like January there. It feels like January here. Like, great. There's a secret world of all these things that happen. Probably not that exciting, so you would have heard about it. But, like, <laughs> yeah, they lived their lives over those six months. There is, like, a whole batch of content somewhere that exists. Great fan fiction opportunity. <laughs> Somebody can just make up what happened during. The missing moments. Yeah. 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 Moments, months for this time. <laughs> months, yeah. Scenes, whatever. Whatever you want it to be. <laughs> All right. So like I said, we don't really have any news this week. Um, but so let's just if Rachel, if you're ready, let's just get right into it. Let's do it. All right. So we're going to start with med and you know how this goes. Obviously, we start with whoever got the first scene. So this week it was Hannah and Ripley. Rachel, I'm curious before we really get into it, like what are your feelings so far on Ripley? I don't know on him. Like especially with the whole dr charles thing and trying to like figure out like i feel like there's something sinister there but he hasn't done anything yet and i also find him really charming like especially in these hannah scenes so i'm really like hesitant to like him but i want to i feel like go ahead no go ahead like i watched the earlier seasons of blacklist and I hadn't realized, I was like, why do I know this actor? Went to IMDb, as per usual. I was like, oh. So he was also a really sketchy character there. So, like, that doesn't help his, because I think that was really, like, the only thing I'd seen him in, which I felt like he was more familiar than that. So that doesn't help his, like, me feeling skeptical of this guy. Yeah, I feel like I have not seen Luke Mitchell in anything yet. So, like, I don't know anything about him, any really. Um I feel like charming is the best word to describe him because like there's moments and like there's a lot of him tonight where I'm like oh I really like him but like you said with the Dr. Charles stuff I still just don't really know how I feel about it I'm like sometimes I'm on his side sometimes I'm more on the Dr. Charles side like I don't I still don't feel like I really have like a set no Dr. Charles is right or no Ripley is right but like in normal conversational scenes I'm like yeah he's really charming like I kind of like him. Yeah, I think he doesn't need, like, I think he is the right 
this whole debate and him and the way he presents and who he's interacting with is I think what they needed. Like, yeah. they like, yeah, you have Marcel as like the not younger is not the word, but like peak age guy, but he's also kind of like gotten very serious and has this whole other thing going with him. Yeah. And you kind of needed that, like in losing Will, you kind of needed that attractive doctor. Slightly um, younger. Yeah. Younger, but like I don't know where it's going. Like I, I don't trust how I feel about any of the characters given I think the first time I was on the show with you all, I was complaining about how awful Archer was. And so like at this point, I've given up on making assumptions about any of these people because they clearly are going to, like, switch my my feelings about them. Speaking of that real quick, because obviously he's not in this episode, which just felt a little weird because I was like, where's my at least one comment about, like, how he's recovering? I, I thought that- this, actually, it hadn't even occurred to me just because I was, like, in such an exhausted place last week. Yeah. Um, I saw one of your, I can't remember if it was a tweet or an Instagram from you all from earlier. Like, I was going back through everything that happened while the show was on. I was like, wait, we never did hear about that surgery. Right. I was like, I, if he's not there, like, fine, he's recovering. I can accept that. But, like, not even a comment of, like, oh, yeah, he's fine, but he still has a week off or whatever. Like, you know. You know. I was like, I didn't need much, but, like, one comment. But anyway, speaking of Archer, how are you liking Archer? I guess, has he done, like, a 180 in your mind since you just made that comment, or not yet? I like him as a character. I think we've talked about it before, but I'm not an Archer-Hannah shipper by any means. Like, I oh, think we'll get weird. there. We'll I get love there. their friendship. Um, but... I I I think he's grown on me and I think I think even if I were to go back and watch older episodes which I haven't yeah it's natural like knowing me I'm turned off by people who are mean turned off by people who are gruff and like once I can then understand where they're coming from and all that they can win me over so it like makes sense to me that like military guy wasn't super friendly like very yeah. serious it works so I'm, I'm happy i like that I'm, a, I'm not disappointed that he like that he turned from villain or not really villain but we thought he was a villain yeah no i, I mentioned it on the pod either last week or the week before i was like when did archer become my favorite character like i like when did that happen i don't know because if you yeah. asked me like two seasons ago i've been like no way he's probably my least favorite character yeah yeah so i'm i'm happy with him um, and I thought even last week, like his internal debates are really like was really interesting and compelling. Yeah. The idea of like taking something from your child, um, yeah, and putting risk to their life to help yours. Um, so I've I've enjoyed that storyline. Yeah, me too. Me too. Alrighty, so getting back into Hannah and Ripley. So the first thing we see is Hannah is at a bar and she is waiting for a date that she met on a dating app. And of course, in this random bar that is not Molly's, like, of all places, she runs into Ripley. Because of course she does. And she's telling Ripley about the guy that she's waiting for. His name is Kyle. He's an architect. Of course, they made on met on this dating app. And it turns out to be none other than Scott Michael Foster. Which, like, I love. Because I love him. Mm-hmm. Although I, I hate seeing him as, like, a jerk. Like, I don't yeah. like... I was like, ew you're kind of gross in this seat. I mean, he's ends up being like the worst person ever, but like, yeah. 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 I have questions about 
his casting. I'm like, it feels like a bigger name than to play a like guest actor. Yeah, I was when I saw it in the promo photos. I was like, wait, what? I was like, he's only gonna be on for one episode. I was like, that's a little okay. I was like, in my dream world, I'm choosing to believe he's a fan and he asked to get to be on it. (laughs) I mean, who knows? Maybe. Maybe. I just like wanted him to like break out into some song or something like that, like crazy ex girlfriend wise. Yeah. And then I like once I watched this, I was like, oh, I gotta go like down the like crazy ex girlfriend rabbit hole for like an hour. I was like, gotta go back and like watch all my favorite songs. And like I had like I had to. I was like, I can't not. Um, which I just I love. Um, but we also get a tiny bit a little bit of like Ripley backstory. He's a Chicago boy who's like been away for a while. Um, which like I don't know if that has to do with did he get sent away because of what Dr. Charles did? Like, you know, that whole thing. Did he go away because it was his choice and he wanted to like go to college somewhere else? Like I I don't know. There's like a tiny bit, but now I have more questions than I have answers. Did we ever in the earlier episodes get an age for when he was in the hospital? I was assuming like young teenager. Yeah, I want to say 15 is sticking with me for whatever reason, but I don't know if, but yes, definitely teenager. I want to say like 14, 15, somewhere in there. I have to go back and watch, but yeah. I I think I choose to believe or the, what my theory is just that like, he was away because he had to get away because he didn't have a great childhood. I can see that. I could Uh, also see like after whatever happened with Dr. Charles and being in the hospital and stuff, he was like, no, I don't want to be here anymore. Like I let me go somewhere else. Yeah. That's yeah. That's kind of where I'm going. Is that like, there wasn't a way in a bad way. It just needs to get out of that city. Yeah. No, I get that for sure. But it is kind of nice, too, to, like, see him be a little bit of, like, even though he just met Hannah, like, he seems very protective of her already. Or, like, he's very interested in making sure that, like, she's meeting some random dude on a dating app. Like, I'm going to kind of keep an eye out on her, like, um, which is kind of nice to see that, like, you know, already. Like, we're only three episodes in. And I feel like I've been missing that a little bit with Med, especially with all the departures over the years, is it feels like every character has had their own story and there's not a ton of like emotional interaction between them unless they're like it's in the storyline like again yeah. like it's not like that like the natural friendship type fire right. yeah and i i've like missed that here so there is something very compelling to me about this like okay we're colleagues but we're also friends because we we're in like we do a lot of crazy stuff together and like yeah I want to I want to protect you even if you're just a colleague yeah no for sure I think it's also like you said it's been hurt because like all the med departures we've had like any of that that existed is now gone because by nature those actors are not on the show anymore um I mean you have like I'd say you have Goodwin and Dr. Charles and you have now you have Hannah and Archer but like that's really it like everyone else who had that is now gone so it is like you said it's nice to see that that's kind of slowly starting to come back a little bit yeah and it's it's like yeah there's something about like that inner like with fire you can have a rant out of the blue all of a sudden this week one week you have a scene two characters who don't really have any kind of like yeah 
real personal relationship, but they do something together and it's funny and they're just friends because by nature, they spend all this time together. Yeah. You don't see that on Med that much anymore. No. Because I think those characters who are like the bridge between the ones, the other ones are gone. So they're all like in their own little worlds. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that for sure. Um, But speaking of, hannah and ripley's new friendship all of a sudden they're at the bar and there's a medical emergency because of course there's a doc two doctors in the same room of course there's going to be a medical emergency right there yep because that's how tv works um but okay so gina put this in the outline and she she's all in now on like Jesse and Jesse Schramm and Luke Mitchell and their chemistry. She's like, I'm in on this dynamic. And she's like, you have to talk about this. So I'm curious. You said you're not a Hannah and Archer fan, which is fine. We've I know that about you. We can, you know, agree to disagree. But I'm curious, did you see the chemistry between them last night? Yeah. I definitely saw it. And I assumed like that's where they're trying to go. Um I'm not shipping that like and I, I'm going to correct you. I am a Hannah and Archer fan. I am not a You're Hannah not Archer a Hannah and Archer shipper. You're not a Hannah and Archer shipper. Yes, I correct I myself. You're fans romantic. of the characters. You're fans of the friendship. You're not a fan of the romantic potential. Yes. Um, and I would say I feel the same way about Hannah and Ripley right now. Like, they have not sold me yet. I will be happy whichever way it goes. I will like more interaction. I'm not a shipper yet. They definitely do have great chemistry, though. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I am a Hannah and Archer shipper, like, hardcore Hannah and Archer shipper. And, like, even I understand that, like, this is just good chemistry. Like, I, I'm not yeah. stupid. Like, I see it. Like, but I get also, it. But has chemistry with everyone. Like, Jessie I can has... watch anything. Well, even and back so... when it was Hannah and Will, it was like, yeah. Like, I mean, literally, I think she could, like talk to a rock and like there would be chemistry like if this were no like if they decided to make a huge shift and no longer make this an ensemble show and instead just have a lead i'll take her in every scene like she's probably one of the few people like i watch for yeah so like i'm happy with anything have you i i don't know if i know do you watch any of like the hallmark late christmas movies um i i didn't this year some years i do some years i don't well so she's one that they kind of go back to a lot and like any of them that she gets paired with it's like dang like again same thing it's like she's one of those ones where it's like okay like she can make like you said most any chemistry work yeah she's great so i'm i will happily watch her in more scenes with anybody yeah 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 like I said, the chemistry. And I think Luke Mitchell, too, just in the little bit we've seen, like you said, he's very charming. Like, I feel like he could probably have good chemistry with a lot of people. I agree. So they end up saving their patients and they're going to be fine. They they're going to be fine. And so they kind of wrap that up. And Hannah goes to say goodnight to her date. And at first he's kind of like a little hesitant. He's like, yeah, like this is where we're going to end it. Like, uh, you know, I had a great time. And she goes in for the first kiss. And I saw so much hate towards her for the fact that you shouldn't kiss on a first date. And I'm here to say, we don't slut shape people for kissing someone on the first date. Okay, so I'm going to say, I've been mostly off 
um, like social medias that where I would see stuff like this. And I'm shocked that people were shaming her for that. Like, really? So many people. And like, I get it. It's a very like it's a personal preference whether you want to or not. That's fine. But it's again, it's a personal preference. If she wants to, that's fine. If you don't it's want to, that's also fine. I don't understand what the problem is. But also, like, it's TV, and I'm pretty sure in 95% of first dates on TV, they kiss. If not yeah, more. Right. Like, like, what? Unless that's the point of it, is for them not to kiss on a first date. Right. Unless there's been a long discussion about it. Like, this is just what TV does. Right, or it's supposed to be, like, a bad first date, and someone, like, get, they get interrupted, or, like, you know, like... But that's then the point of the scene. But yeah, I don't know. But I feel like just in general, like I saw so many comments that were like, you should never kiss on a first date. And I'm like, it's her body, her choice. Like if she wants to kiss someone on the first date, like why do we care? And if you don't, if you that is your personal preference and you don't want to kiss on a first date, that's also totally fine. Like I don't understand why that was such a hot topic last night on Twitter, but apparently it was. I'm glad I'm staying off Twitter. Yet another reason. Yeah. But anyway, that was a hot topic. So Hannah comes back into the ED. She's had, a, you know, Ripley Caesar, And he's like, how'd your date go? And he was like, she was like, oh, it was great. And so she starts working on a patient. And all of a sudden, this pregnant woman storms into the ED. And she's looking for Hannah. And she interrupts Hannah in the middle of seeing a patient. And she's like, and Hannah's like, I don't know who you are. And the woman's like, well, you went on a date with my husband last night. And it's probably one of the most awkward interactions I've ever seen because that's just, yeah, yikes. Yeah. Especially for it to happen, like, in front of a patient, like. Yeah. yeah. I'm it's... now thinking about, like, what kind of ED is this? There is no ED I know where you can, like, sneak into somebody else's room. No, no, not even some of the worst EDs I've ever been in. Could you get away with something like this? Yeah. Yeah. But Ripley is just like watching back. He's just like amused. Like, he's just like, oh, I can't believe it. And like, even same thing. So they go in the conference room to like talk about it. And like everyone outside is just like looking at them, like trying to watch the shit show go down. Well, I would if I were at work that kind of drama going down that's exciting that would be like the most dramatic thing i've ever seen happen in a workplace ever yeah. i'd be talking about that for like weeks <laughs> yeah that would be the story you tell people like 10 years later like oh you, you should have worked here when yeah yeah when a woman came in and yeah i uh, yeah so of course his name's not kyle he's not an architect and it's like why do men men do men things like why why are they? Why? And then it's, of course, like, and then, of course, the wife's water breaks, like, because, of course, it does. Of course. Um, But Hannah handles it in stride. She's like, I know you're probably the, I, I'm probably the last person you want me to be delivering this baby, but it's time, like, we're going to be delivering your baby. So they grab another doctor, and Ripley comes and helps her, and, you know, she ends up delivering the baby, and that baby, did you notice, is the biggest baby I've ever seen. I missed that. Oh, my God. You have to go back and watch. It looks like the baby should be, like, seven or eight months already. 
Oh, it's okay. like just like and I I mean I know they usually use like fake babies, but it's like huge. Like you would think that baby's seven, eight months old at least. That's funny. That was the I first would... thing I saw. I was like, oh my gosh, no wonder he got stuck. He or she, I don't remember if the baby was a boy or a girl, but no wonder they got stuck. I, I did not notice that. I will go back and watch. It's you're gonna be shocked because it is huge. That baby's huge. Um, yeah, so Julie delivers the baby, and then as Hannah's coming out of the room to check on, you know, having checked on the wife, um, Scott Michael Foster, Kyle, not Kyle, whatever his name is, um, shows up, and Hannah gives him shit. Hannah? Nick. How, how do you know? I just delivered your baby. What? Does Tessa... Oh, she knows. She hacked into your phone, found your messages, and tracked me down. Oh, my God. Is that why she's here? She's what? sleeping. What did she say? Is this why she went into labor? Well, why? it's definitely possible for emotional stress to induce labor. But regardless, Tessa gave birth to a healthy baby girl, and both mom and baby are doing well. Oh, thank God. <sighs> Look, Hannah, I'm I'm not a cheater. Yeah, well, last night would suggest otherwise. You were the only woman I messaged on that app, okay? And I had no intention of ever seeing you again. Don't flatter yourself. Look, I, I made a horrible mistake. I was freaking out about becoming a dad, you know? And I, I just thought one last night of freedom Okay, would save your rationalizations for your wife. Or better yet, spare her. I think that your time is best used begging Tessa for forgiveness. I was glad she put him in her place, but I was also just, like, shocked. I mean, not, I shouldn't be shocked, but, like, I was like, dude, are you really believing yourself as you're saying all of this? Yeah. Similar thoughts. I was like, he was, like, talking about, he's like, oh, well, you're the only one I messaged, and I just wanted one night of fun, and I was never going to talk to you again. I was like, dude. Come on now. Why? Why is that? Like, what? I get being scared. Yeah, I get one fun, but like, why? Why does he just go to a bar and pick a girl up? Like, right? Or like, can't you just go out with your friends? Yeah. Like, did you just have to put on a whole fake persona, talk to this girl, go meet the girl, and then be like, oh yeah, I'm never gonna talk to you again? Like. I mean, talking to a girl on a dating app is one thing, but then, like, going as far as to, like, hang out with her, I don't know. Dude's weird. And well, then he's was... like, I'm not cheating. And it's like, yeah, that's still cheating. Who makes a dating app profile for fun anyway? Creeps and weirdos. Yeah. I mean, people who, I mean, unfortunately, I think there are a lot of men out there like him who yes, want to, know. you know. Um. Yeah. It's just, but he's like, I'm not a cheater. Yeah, you are, dude. Yeah. Even if you hadn't gone so far as, like, had the shared the kiss, like, just, like, talking to her in that way, to me, is considered, I would consider cheating, but. Yes. Going out on a date from a dating app is cheating. Yes. Yes. Not Perhaps necessarily. Every... Yeah. Perhaps if they met at a bar and everything except the kiss happened. That wouldn't be it, but the fact that the date was set up and organized. Right. It was intended to be a date. 
Yes. Like you said, it's not like they ran out, ran into each other at a bar and just like talked for an hour or two. That Correct. I would, I that I wouldn't necessarily consider cheating. But yeah, you went on a dating app with the intentions of setting up a date. That's cheating. Yes, agreed. Yeah, but anyway, it all ends up, and Hannah's like, "Yeah, I'm staying off dating apps now." Which, like, girl, good because dating apps suck. They're the worst. Um, but yeah so that is hannah and ripley ripley was more just this week kind of a side character to hannah's story which i didn't mind i kind of needed a break from the ripley dr charles stuff this week i was kind of glad we went like separate corners for a hot second also and i mean it's back to like the side relationships and all that but i find like the best way a character grows on me is when they're on this, like, like getting to see them on the side and how they react in those moments is yeah. important for me to like, start liking someone. Like, yeah. so I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. When I think the fact that he's been, he and Dr. Charles have been butting heads so much. It's nice to see that like Hannah has warmed up to him. Cause like you said, I think that helps that like, I can then warm up to him. I think when we see characters start to warm up to the new characters, it's like, okay, then it's okay for me to like them. Totally. Totally. So, like, the fact that the first two weeks it was, like, him and Dr. Charles butting heads, I'm like, okay, well, I don't really know how to feel to you, about you. And now Hannah likes him, and I'm like, okay, Hannah at least likes him. I trust Hannah. Like, I can, like, point. get on board with Ripley a little bit, for sure. That's a really good point, because, yeah, we we trust our long-trusted characters, and you need at least a mix of opinions to yeah agree doesn't mean i still don't have questions but helps me a little bit come around to him for sure um we did have two listener thoughts um i don't know if this is eva or eva um i apologize if i did not say that right but she said are they trying to pair ripley with asher because there's no one else i just saw on someone on instagram I just saw someone on Instagram post that, and I totally agree. Can't they add more people to the cast? Like, really? He's been on the show for two seconds, and he's already getting paired with Asher? Yuck. What about Archer? I honestly don't know where they're going with this. I saw, did see somebody, I guess, tweet at Luke Mitchell something about, like, are we going to get more of Ripley or Hannah? I'm trying to find the exact tweet. I should have had it pulled up. And he said basically kind of like, oh, wait and see. Like, they're still, like, keep watching. I'm trying to see if I can find the exact tweet. Um, hold on. Oh, where did it say? He didn't respond to a bunch of tweets. Uh, I can't find it. But somebody basically said, like, he basically said, like, keep watching. Um, Do you think uh, this is a good though? Like, it does feel like the cast is slim. Yes. Um, and I think the difference here with the other shows is also, like, you definitely, it's more multi-generational, or at least it feels more multi-generational. Um, yeah. But it feels very slim pickings, and I'm also not, and I think this is where I'm struggling with, Med. none of the people left aside from Hannah, maybe that's why I like Hannah so much, I have any real, like, attachment to. I mean, like, Goodwin and Charles, but they feel like kind of, like, figure, not figureheads, but, like... They're like the parents. Well, they're yeah. like the parents and they're staples and they are just there. They don't, sometimes they bring a lot of drama, but it's not frequently. And so I'm right. not expecting their stories to be like the crazy stuff. But 
it feels very sparse these days. It's I think men for sure. P- I mean, PD though. PD is where it's like we're operating on like three or four characters. It seems yes. like PD is like really but also sparse. With PD structure that doesn't bother me quite as much because it's not like we're gonna hear about that character again for another four weeks. So like, true. At true. least it means I get the people I like back sooner when they're left of them. True. I do think men used to be a little more fuller and it's just, it's definitely gone down a little bit. And I think even though we have like three interns that exist, like they, none of them were in this week's episode. So like, even the fact that like, they're not there, like, it's like, okay, well, those are people we know, but like, they're not here this week. So like, it feels. Yeah. I think men need some kind of like major scary disaster to happen where they all have to bond a little bit more and you can see like it be so it feels a lot less like a bunch of little skits with people who don't interact and more like an actual like workplace where they work together and have like interactive relationships yeah yeah no I get that I I mean I'm hoping one day they'll go back to a crossover but like I don't think it's happening in a shortened season so I'm like next year fingers crossed we yeah, need it. I mean yes yes crossover but I just need like med to cross over with each other like yeah talk to more than your little like little tiny crew yeah no I get that sometimes it feels repetitive when it's like oh you've got like Crockett and Zola again this week which like we'll get there because I do like them where that's you know but like again when it's like five weeks in a row of like Crockett and Zola it's like okay like just switch it up once please that's all I'm asking yeah exactly that yeah um and then Dara said something kind of similar she said oh I'm not so not into this Asher and Ripley storyline are they really gonna do this it's awful granted I'm an archer and Asher shipper but this was just not it it was so bad the whole Asher storyline this episode was just weird like the random kiss with the architect why did she do that he gave zero signal that he'd be into that also I really felt Archer's absence in the night's episode I think it's a real testament to what a central figure he's become to the show yes to the last sentence I personally was like where's I mean it makes sense he's supposed to be recovering. I get it. Like, I get it. But, like, I did miss him. I was, like, I kind of miss him. Um, But I don't know. I mean, like, if she, he may not have given any signal that he'd be into that. But, like, she clearly was feeling it. So, like, and if he wasn't feeling it, he could have said, like, no, I'm not into this. And, like, stopped her from kissing him. I think it was also important to establish for later on that he was a cheater. Like, I think that argument becomes a lot harder. That didn't happen. So I'm, whether or not it was weird, it was needed for that story. That's where I'm going to go there. For TV purposes, it had to exist. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. No, for sure. But even if you, like, take it out of TV, like, I feel like in real life, like, how many times have we, or do you know friends who've been like, I tried to, like, lean in for the kiss, but, like, they weren't feeling it, so they, like, stopped it. Like, that totally could have happened if he wasn't feeling it, but But again, then you can argue he didn't cheat. Right. So let's let's set it straight. Like, he cheated, and that's that kid's allowed it to be very clear 100%. Yeah. Uh, yes, what you said. Um, so moving on from Hannah and Ripley, we're going to talk about Crockett and Zola. Rachel, what are your Zola thoughts so far? Okay, so I had to share this because it was really funny to me. 
was on the phone with my mom the other night um and she's caught up and she's like so what do you think of the person that replaced the redhead so and i was just like i immediately knew what she was talking about but yeah. like the fact that like you have a non-white woman and a red-headed white man and we knew exactly like what role she was supposed to be filling like something feels a little superficial because my mom was immediately like i don't like her and i'm like i don't know yet but i'm also like this feels a little like manipulative to the viewer and like give her something different so i'm not a zola fan basically i'm in agreement with my mom interesting i thought well first of all i thought it was funny that like med played into the joke of the fact that like they were comparing her to will because even crockett tells goodwin in that first episode he's like you know who she reminds me of and like so like i just thought it was funny that they acknowledged that like we're all gonna compare her to will like i thought that was great but i don't know i'm i'm a little hesitant just because like will sometimes went so hard will and even Natalie, to an extent, I kind of get Natalie vibes from her, too, sometimes, that, like, Natalie would, Natalie, as we like to say on the pod, like, Natalie would go very far, too. And she hasn't gone anywhere so yet that I'm not, like, okay, I can't get behind that, her reasoning for that. She hasn't done anything where I'm, like, girl, what, what are you doing? Like, you're breaking HIPAA, you're breaking, like, I'm not there. She hasn't done anything like that yet. So I'm kind of okay with it. But I, she goes, like, so far off the deep end kind of like will or natalie then i think i'm gonna have a hard time still liking her as much as i am so far so i feel like i guess like her actual actions are not that far off the deep end but her behavior comes off to me as a lot more immature which is valid she's still a resident yes like i also feel like as a resident who has been fired from previous resident programs yes like my inclination and granted Zola and I are clearly, like, polar opposite <laughs> yeah. personalities. But, like, my inclination is you need to be impressing your supervisor. You are basically on probation. Yeah. Like, why? Like, that's what immediately turned me off of her. Is like, why on your first day or on your first few days are you making people angry or not realizing a tweet, tweet, um, adding what's the word mentioning your your manager yeah is not a great idea like yeah i know she's young and i need to just give her the benefit of like she's young she's immature but like it, it bugs me yeah that's a really good point i hadn't totally thought about it like that but kind of going off of that what i hope and i think you kind of maybe start to see it a little bit in here as much as I don't want to just keep her by Crockett's side the whole time, like what I hope she will learn from Crockett is a way to more balance kind of between like really wanting to do medicine with your heart, but also kind of having to like be more mature about it. And like, sometimes you're not going to get your way at the way you want to do it, but like it's worth it because you're going to be able to like help more patients in the end. Like I'm hoping she'll kind of, balance out a little bit by working with Crockett because I think Crockett would be a great mentor in that world for her compared to everyone else because like Crockett I feel like since he's joined the show has been a great example of someone who's like at a very rare occasions he'll kind of go off the deep end a little bit and like kind of act out of line but for the most part he's been really good about like 
managing how to like handle things. Um, And so I think he can be a really great mentor for her in that way. So I'm hoping we'll get to see more of her, not mellowing out. That's not maybe the right word I want to use, but kind of figuring out how to actually be a good doctor and like manage everything correctly um, from working with him. So I'm hoping we'll get more of that. It is bugging me. I mean, again, I need to stop thinking logically about med. But why is her supervisor a surgeon and she's an ED doctor? Yeah, no, I don't really know. But honestly, I'm not complaining that much because on my wish list this year, I was like, I want to see more of Crockett back in the ED because I feel like for the last few little bit, like, when it was with him and Sarah Rafferty's character, it was like, oh, I'm all about transplants. It's all we ever saw was like transplants, transplants, transplants. And last year it was all like, oh, our 2.0, 2.0, 2.0, 2.0. So like, you know what? I understand your point. It is valid, but I'm going to take the win because we're getting Crockett back in the ED and I'm enjoying it. So I will take that. That's a great point. Um, But yeah, so... Crockett is not only back, so we're going to start with Crockett and Zola. Um, Crockett's not only back in the ED, but he is also joining the board, which is an interesting, I kind of like the fact that they're going to have like a doctor on the board. I feel like that's a nice, or I needed ear to, you know, they need that opinion. Yep, agreed. Um, But also, I don't know. I know you're not a Zola fan. Do you see the vibes here? No, no, I, I see you're not a Zola fan. It's not even that. Like, I cannot be a Zola fan and I can still sh- like, I see them trying. I'm not buying it. Oh, I'm like, this is honestly probably, well, just Crockett this season in general so far <laughs> is probably the most excited I've been about a Crockett storyline in a long time. Like, I'm very much enjoying what they've given Crockett this year. And if I, I see the vibes. I see the vibes. I actually am feeling the exact opposite. I am not enjoying what they've given Crockett wow. this year. And don't like Zola. And I'm just disappointed. I also just miss Sarah Rafferty. So there's that. Oh, I did not care for her on this show. show, but I love her. So I will watch her in whatever. Yeah, I'm literally the pilot into suits so far so i i'm trying to do it before atx so which i know i'll be able to do but i'm literally the pilot as of yesterday in she's just excellent yeah no i like her i just not on the show i get it i just i thought that story was compelling and i liked it i'm not but maybe you know, I didn't really give the last few episodes much time or focus, so I'll, I'll ask me again in a few weeks. Okay, I'll check in with you. I'll check in with you. Um, but anyway, so Zola gets this patient who, like, briefly, briefly lost consciousness after he was doing some vomiting, but it's not just that. He's got metastatic abdominal sarcoma, um, so he's got... A whole other thing but Zola gets really creative so she decides to loop Crockett in with this idea to resect part of the tumor basically to allow food to pass through because he doesn't want a feeding tube. A feeding tube would obviously solve that problem but it gives him a poor quality of life but this would give him still a pretty good quality of life and fix his problem. 
So Crockett at first is like, I don't really know. And then he get he gets on board with it and he goes and checks out the patient. And he's like, you know, let's see what we can do. But of course, insurance denies it because insurance sucks. And it's apparently this particular insurance company is notorious for having like turning down prior authorizations and things like that. So at first they think they're not going to do it. And so they have to go break the news to the patient. And he's obviously very upset about it, but he's still anti-feeding tube. He's like, no, we're going to go with quality over time. Like I'd rather have a better quality of life and live less, you know, for a short amount of time than live longer and like, but be in bed all the time, basically. So Crockett mentions, he's like, okay, well, maybe we can try to expedite the appeal, but Zola's, like, not having it. So she goes full Gen Z, basically, and she blasts the insurance company on social media and tags, goes so far to tag Crockett in the post. And what she posts is basically their conversation earlier where Crockett's talking about how, like, fed up he is with um, prior authorizations, which, like, this is not... I get her intention because sometimes social media is a very powerful tool, but like that was not totally it. Again, back to the professionalism. Like that is the first, like the people who blast their work or anything related to work on social media and go viral are the ones who get fired immediately and everyone knows about. Yeah. And like, come on. You went to med school. You went to college. You're a smart girl. Like, this isn't the way. I think I would have less problem with it if she just left Crockett out of it. If she even was right. like, like, if she was even like, I was talking with a peer, a colleague, or even like a mentor of mine. Like, she could even say that it was someone higher up. And he made the comment of blah, 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 whatever. Like, as long but she went so far to be like, and my mentor dr crockett marcel and i'm like girl like that you did not need it especially without asking him yeah absolutely that's that's 100 percent true that's actually a problem that we can just do that yeah yeah but like you said i don't necessarily have a problem with her like venting to social media about it but like i have a problem with her tagging crockett in it without asking him because it wasn't like she was like oh, well, let me get your opinion on this because I'm going to post it on social media. She was like, it was literally just a private conversation. And then she's like, okay, I'm going to go tell the world that Crockett Marcel said this. That's the part even I have a problem with. Even if it weren't a like controversial thing that can cause them issues, like if you and I were having a conversation and you just decided to quote our conversation, Without, I mean, I, yeah, we know, like, I like, like, if anybody you're friends with or whatever, you just decide to quote them and tag them on social media somewhere where you, I, I, I likely never really interacted with them either before. Like, right, that's weird and inappropriate. I don't care what the topic is. Right, like, I mean, and I feel like if it was something funny, like I like pie said Rachel, like, okay, fine, right. like who cares? But like, even right. if we were having like a normal, relatively not even super deep conversation about anything, like what we were talking about pre-recording, I it would be weird for me to be like, 
on Twitter be like, Rachel said she, you know, blah, 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 blah about her trip. And, you know, like, why would I, you know, like, you know, that without yeah. me being like, hey, Rachel, can I tweet about what you told me about your trip? Like, yeah, that would be weird. That would be weird. It's weird. It's weird. But maybe yeah. that's just what Gen Z is. I just start blaming everything on Gen Z because I don't I think that. there's, you know, I think as Zola, you know, she does kind of prove, like, I think social media can be a very powerful tool that can get you noticed and can accomplish a lot of things. I mean, I've definitely used social media to my advantage in a lot of ways. But, like, like you said, there is a time and place for it and there is a way to handle yourself on social media, especially when you're trying to use take professional advantage of it as well exactly so um but of course so like it's a crockett learns this from peter and goodwin and he's like what the fuck like why why and so he of course finds zola in the doctor's lounge and confronts her about the whole thing what is this I share something with you in a clinical setting. I don't expect to see it plastered all over social media. You understand? I should have checked with you before I posted it. Yeah, that much is obvious. I don't mean to sound ingenuous, but I didn't think that you would mind. Being publicly quoted without my consent? Yeah, I mind. A lot. What you said was true. That isn't the point. Look, you want to have a viral moment, be my guest. But don't do it at my expense. This isn't about having a viral moment. I... This strategy might seem unorthodox, but it works. Strategy? Since when did venting on social media become a strategy? Public shaming is a way to get companies' attention and move them to act. Case in point, after the post started trending, burning jurors sent notice, and they escalated Vince's appeal for a peer-to-peer -peer call. Really? Yeah, which is why we can't let up on public pressure. I got a DM from a local news reporter. She wants to interview us on Vince's case. What are you, out of your mind? I can't do that. Why not? Because the hospital's got an upcoming contract negotiation with Berninger. Ah, so this is why the post was such a big issue? That has nothing to do with my issue, which is your total disregard for professional courtesy. You should know that the post wasn't just liked or reposted. People shared their hellish experiences with Berninger. Hundreds of people, including MDs. What you said resonated. It needed to be said. Yeah, he's not happy. He's not happy. Um, but I do, like I said, I think he learned something from her just like she learned something from him. And I think there is a valuable lesson in what they're taking from each other in this mentorship. But like, I still, like I said, I still have a team any problem with what Zola did like the way she handled it just a little bit leave Crockett out of it and then I'm cool I'm, I'm more cool I'm gonna it. err on the side of much larger problem but okay yeah um but Gina of course Gina is Gina's in on this she we were talking about it a little bit but like so she even has an outline she's like is this gonna be a May-December relationship I don't know if that's where they're gonna go with it but like the chemistry, they do have very good chemistry, regardless of whether you like it or not. I think they're kind of like a Luke and Jesse Shram. Like, they have chemistry. They definitely found themselves into, like, a chemistry situation. Um, for sure. So, Crockett goes to this board meeting, and, of course, Peter, the lawyer guy, he starts the board meeting, and, like, he makes it weird. He's like, uh, we need to address the elephant in the room. He's like... 
So Crockett, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then Crockett's like, you know what? Like, I'm going to talk for myself. I'm going to say what I want because you're right, but you're also wrong. And he ends up taking Zola's advice and he, you know, kind of explains what, you know, he she just said to him in kind of this situation. And what he's able actually to kind of get out of this is impressive because he's able to get the hospital to cover the patient surgery, which like, I feel like would not usually happen from one Crockett speech. Like, I feel like that's not how this goes in real life. Like, you don't just get one speech from a doctor and be like, oh, yeah, the hospital's going to pay for this surgery. That's not how yep. normally this goes. But I'm glad it happened. Yeah. But, like, that's not how this goes. Well, and I'm, like, hoping. <laughs> I know they're not going to go there. But in real life, she'll end up with a bill on her door. Like, or on his, like... Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. The hospital that's... actually has like more motives than like they're like okay, well somebody's gonna pay for it. It may not be the patient, but like somebody right. somewhere is gonna pay for it. We're not that nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, but of course, so like he goes and talks to Zola, and she's a little upset when she finds out like what she kind of had to give on. But he's like, look, like I'm gonna be on the negotiating committee for prior authorization with the insurance company you know while they're renegotiating their contract with the hospital and like sometimes you have to give a little in order to get what you want to and that's why i do think he's a great mentor for her because i think crockett's really good at towing that line of like giving to get what he needs to help his patients and i think she could really learn that lesson it would really benefit her so, uh, yeah. But we did get some listener thoughts on this. Um, Megan R. said, I absolutely agree that Zola should have consulted Crockett about the insurance company issue and should have approached it better. But I can't understand why she did it. Social media has become a major sounding board and a big platform for advocating on things in recent years. I'm glad that Crockett addressed it at the board meeting and worked out well in the end. Also, as weeks go on, I'm getting more of a vibe between Crockett and Zola. And honestly, I'm here for it. Yeah, uh, like I said, I think Solo should have handled it slightly differently, but I get where she was coming from. Um, and then Public Emily on Twitter said, Scream it from the rooftops again about the crux of the problem, prior authorization. Under no circumstances should a cancer patient have to wait 15 days or more for an approval for chemo, and that's just one example. Yeah, prior authorization and insurance is just fucked up. Mm-hmm. Healthcare in general. I was going to say, like, I don't even want to start going there. Yeah. It's, uh, we could be here all night if we talk about that. Yeah. But I agree. It's, it's really fucked up. Really fucked up. And I'm glad they talked about it because it's really fucked up. Um, and then last up, we've got two kind of smaller storylines of the night. Um, we do have to talk about Goodwin a little bit because Goodwin's got herself a new boo, Rachel. Yeah, and I love it. I love this so much. So much. All right. So this Dr. Washington, who I'm pretty sure I'd have to go back and look, but I don't think we've ever met the man before. That's what I was going to ask. I was like, was I supposed to know who this guy is? I don't know. I needed to go look it back up. I may check IMDb here in a hot second, but, like, I don't think so. But I like how they were like, oh, yeah, Dr. Washington. And then he pops up with that patient later on, which we'll talk about in two seconds. And I was like, oh, they're acting like we really know the man. 
but yeah I'm gonna see which I mean makes sense in a hospital where we're really only like in the ED right uh, I did I googled it and it looks like it was his first episode so I think it was just I want to say it's a savvy way of them being like look there's a whole hospital here you just don't know right. all of the people and they've done that before every now and then. It's like, oh, yeah, here's this character who everyone else knows, but, you know, you've never met. Yeah, it seems like it's his first episode. Um, but anyway, so he stops by to see Goodwin. He runs in Dr. Charles, and they're, like, chit-chatting. And the reason he wanted to see Goodwin is she left his her badge at his place. And she's like, oh, I need to, like, you know, stop forgetting my things. Girl! <laughs> Sharon I love this for you I love it seriously um we don't know how long they've been hanging out hooking up whatever but apparently it's been long enough that like nobody knows about them um she's like wanting to be very careful about like how it looks professionally and he's like but it's not against the rules like he's like colleagues date all the time I'm like yep you watch the show and I, I, yep yep um but she's like no like let's just keep it you know on the down low a little bit longer but he's like okay cool whatever you want like i'm okay with it um which i love i love i do too um and then like again there's nothing else really between them for a while like i said he runs he's in another storyline for two seconds which we'll talk about but otherwise he stops by later at the kind of towards the end of the episode and like they're supposed to make plans and then this is what happens this is not because of our conversation this morning i hope no 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 because if it is i didn't mean to pressure you you didn't at all in fact i think we should start telling people i'm sorry what <laughs> you know i've always carried myself with a sense of propriety and i spend a lot of time encouraging my colleagues to do the same but i just think if you feel strongly about something in private, you should own it in public. Strongly, you say? Strongly, she said. I love, again, I just, I love everything about them. Like, I just, I love this. And I love Great. what she says, too. She's like, you know, I just feel, you know, her reasoning for now being okay with coming, you know, telling people about their relationship it's like i just feel like if you feel strongly about something in private you should own it in public which is very true unless there is like a legal reason why you cannot talk about it then you should you know if you feel something about something so strongly in private you should talk about it there's nothing wrong with that i guess by agreeing with that i'm not sure i'm I'm contradicting myself when I say I don't think Lola should have been posting that on uh, social media. But social media is different than the people you know. Well, and in the context of that whole story, it it's different. It's different. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, I didn't have a problem with that if she just left Crockett out of it. Because then it's just yeah. like she's voicing her own opinion. Which is I fine. I had a she's problem allowed. with it. Her doing it about work. and right. like, like, yeah. like for her own career, it concerns me. But Yeah. Gina thought we should just amend this. She wanted to say that it should be like hot. You feel strongly positive emotions about. Um, and I think that kind of toes the line of like, do you don't necessarily want to go around saying all the things you hate and like talk about? Cause that could also get really 
nasty if you're not careful about it. So I kind of agree. Um, but yeah, it it did like I was thinking about it more um when you think of advocacy and something that's important yes. and not speaking out because you're scared. Like that that's where that comment resonated with me. Right. Um, or like something in your life, like you shouldn't be ashamed of like Right. And so the thing was, that you I, like doing or whatever, you know, whatever it is, a hobby you, you know, people would make fun of you for or whatever, you know, whatever. Like if you like right. it enough in your private life, like don't be ashamed of it. Like just talk about it. Right. So I don't, I don't know if I, I, I agree that it has to be positive. Like I think there are negative things that also you should be public about, like, and you shouldn't hold in. Um, But I understand where that's, you can't, that's fair. If you feel negatively about that many things, there's other stuff you should work on as well. True. True. But just in general, I'm glad we got Goodwin finally finally getting a boo. That's fun. I'm really excited yeah. for this. I'm I was excited. hoping, although let's do the next part first because it fits together, but I had a like fantasy scene that didn't happen related to the end of this one and the other one so okay. i'll share with you that recap i will say just for two seconds i if we're gonna keep going on with goodwin's new boyfriend dr washington give me the double date between them and dr charles and liliana like give me that double date that would be fun that would be really fun like give me that double date that's all i'm gonna say i would be here for that content that would be fun um, we did get one listener thought. Megan R said, Sharon deserves all the happiness in the world. And I'm so happy she's getting that with Dr. Washington. I was grinning when I was watching the two of them together. Same. Me too. Um, so last up for med, we've got Dr. Charles and Maggie. Um, this is also kind of a quick one. So Maggie takes it or, you know, starts treating this patient and she seems like she just has a wrist fracture but turns out it's not a wrist fracture. When Maggie tries to look at it, the patient seems very hesitant. But that's because she hasn't broken anything at all. The whole reason she came in here was because she thinks her husband is depressed and won't get help. And so she was so scared for his well-being that the only way she felt like, you know, was to kind of trick him into coming to the hospital. Because obviously if he comes in the hospital and she says he's depressed, then they have to take it seriously and kind of do more digging. So they bring in Dr. Charles and he does a lot of digging because that's just who Dr. Charles is. Um, and turns out the patient had just gotten, well, relatively recently diagnosed with type two diabetes. Um, and otherwise that's really kind of the only thing he's got going on. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't feel like he's depressed and, but that's really the only health change he's noticed. Um, so Dr. Charles, the psychiatrist, figures out that because of sometimes the way type 2 diabetes can come on, that it may be a problem with the pancreas. And it's like, if he told that to everyone else, they'd just be like, oh, yeah, you have type 2 diabetes. Okay, cool. And But Dr. Charles is like, no, no, no. Like, there may be something more here. There may be an actual physical reason you're feeling sometimes slightly depressed. Um, but it turns out, yeah, I mean, it's Dr. Charles, like every time he like 
connects the mental to like a physical thing i'm like that's possible like it's possible for your stomach to be causing you this emotional pain apparently so sometimes like i'm like jeez man um but it turns out the guy has a small mass and they caught it early on his pancreas and they caught it so early which apparently is so rare so he's gonna be fine he's gonna be fine and he's talking to his wife and he's like, you know, it's not lost to me that if you hadn't conned me into coming here today. And she's like, no, you, you know, it's fine. You're okay. That's all I care about. And then naturally somehow that leads into him telling her he wants a divorce. Which I was like, okay. Go back to earlier comment on men. Yeah. Men suck. Men suck. Um. But of course, this brings up some emotions for Maggie. And so Maggie ends up telling Dr. Charles kind of her feelings about that and this day in particular. And so this is. I'm sorry. No apology necessary. I've uh, been through enough divorces to be able to say with some authority, spontaneous weeping is part of the deal. Tonight's my annual MRI. Make sure that my cancer hasn't returned dreading it all day. Ben and I always made our appointments together. Yeah. <sighs> when I saw the appointment approaching my calendar, I, I almost texted Ben. I wanted to see if he wanted to keep the tradition alive. Then I remembered. not my support system anymore and i'm not his rachel how do you feel now that we know that like maggie and ben are getting you know divorced i don't know if they're officially divorced yet but like in the process of getting divorced or officially i at mean this it point. makes me sad because that was a really fun relationship to watch yeah but i also see the world where like they effectively trauma bonded yeah. so i hadn't really like, thought about that in that like, regard. Maybe that wasn't the most stable relationship it could have been, or like they weren't the best pair when things were normal or whatever it was. So I, I'm sad for her. Um, and I was sad like that, that whole thing made me a little teary. I felt for her. Um, just because I've seen like when those scans for like after yeah. cancer for somebody going back to scans, like they're scary every single year, no matter how long you've been good, no matter how well they tell you your odds are of it coming back, like they're terrifying. Yeah. And so for her to lose her support system there and for the person, like, and the fact that her cancer is always going to be associated to Ben, like yeah. she has this, it's a sucky situation to be in. Yeah. I hadn't really thought about it like that, that, like, not only did she lose her support system because he was her husband, but, like, that's how they met. And like you said, they're trauma bonded because that's how they met. And so, yeah, yeah every time, even when she's moved on in, like, 20 years, and it's always going to probably bring up some weird, not great emotions because she's always going to think about him when she goes in for those scans. Yeah. So the hope I had had that I wasn't saying before was yes. I was assuming that when Goodwin couldn't make her date, 
Dr. Charles had passed along to Goodwin and people were going to go and support Maggie during her stands, but then the episode ended. So that was not what happened. And it was just by chance. But in my mind, that would have been a very nice thing to have happened was for Maggie to realize she has a community who's there to support her and she can ask for help. That is such a great point. I hadn't thought about that. But now that you say that, I'm like, maybe that's a deleted scene somewhere. Maybe that's in like a missing moment that maybe one day we'll get. Probably not. But uh, But that would have been really nice to see. She needed a friend to go with her. Like literally when she said that, I was like, okay, so who's going with her? Like she needs a buddy. Don't send her alone to this scary thing that she's never done alone before. Well, and especially I feel like because she's been so isolated the last couple weeks because she or the last two episodes because she hasn't wanted to like let people in on the secret. Like she feels kind of ashamed that like she's getting divorced. Like she's been in such this terrible place. And like you said, it doesn't help that now, of course, her annual MRI is coming up. And like, yeah, who is Maggie's support system right now? Yeah, I feel for her. I do too. I'm like, I know I said in past weeks that like, it's hard because I don't want to say she kind of brought her divorce on herself, but like all the stuff she did last season with um, that high school boyfriend whose name I cannot remember um, and like the car crash and her lying to Ben about it. And like, that's not great either. Like, she shouldn't have done any of that but like that doesn't mean i don't feel for her and like she's no totally support like, system regardless right and the relationship fell apart but like at a certain point once they like it's on both of them that it's it's over yeah 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 um so that's it for rachel do you have any last med thoughts no i thought it was a good like it was Despite all my negativity at times, <laughs> I, it was the most glued in I've been to one of the Mad episodes in a while. Um, so I'm, I'm keeping, I'm staying optimistic that I will continue enjoying Mad. I really liked last night. I've so far, I've really liked Mad this season. Um, but I and I really liked last night's too. But give me Archer back. He better be back next week. That's all. I'm like, give, bring him back. Agreed. Words I never thought I'd say two years ago, but bring him back. Agreed. Agreed. All right. So let's move into fire. Woohoo. Because there's a lot to talk about here. A lot. A lot. lot. Um, You were even texting me. You were like, can we talk about this? I was like, yes. Yes. We're going (laughs) to talk. We're going to talk about it. Um. Um. But we're going to start with Herman, because, again, Herman got the first scene, so we're going to talk about Herman. Um, Live. I know. I know. After, I don't, I still don't really know how this happened. I don't know if you saw this, the Instagram. Did you text me about the Instagram video? I texted you about it. I thought so. Our friend Jackie texted me, and then I looked for it, and then I was like, well, let me just ask Brandon and Gina, because they'll know. When it's just, I, I don't like, know how he says that, like, what made him say that of all things, that, like, Cindy was not alive anymore, and I'm like, no, you literally had a cancer be gone party for her last year, and now we still see, like, no, she's alive, like, she's fine. Well, and I, I had said that because I was, like, you, my, my TV memory is very bad, 
And so I was like, I don't remember what ended. I remember us not being sure someone was alive. Was it Cindy? What happened? And so I needed that refresher too of like, was that the, the cliffhanger? Yeah. But, but anyway, yes, Cindy is alive. There's no, Cindy is alive. Okay. Um, and she's watching Herman like put on his, you know, get he gets his new hearing aids. He's a little self-conscious about them, which is kind of cute to see because like Herman's not someone who I normally would feel is like totally self-conscious but like the fact that he's like a little self-conscious is like kind of nice to see um but Cindy's like no like they're so small like nobody's gonna notice and like honestly if you had if I was looking at him and I was like didn't know he was wearing hearing aids I would have no idea he's wearing hearing aids I agree they were they were very Tiny. tiny yeah tiny um so, of course, he gets to shift and, like, everyone's pulling, trying to pull this prank on him that, like, you know, they're fake talking and he's like, I don't know, are my hearing aids working? Like, you know, in typical 51 fashion, like, how do we welcome someone back? We, like, make a joke about it. Um, And then Herman pulls Ritter aside and thanks him. He's like, you know, nobody likes a nag, but truth is you probably saved my life and some other lives, too. Um. Which is nice to see that Ritter or Herman acknowledges that like Ritter was, you know, played an active role in him kind of taking charge of his health, um, which is nice to see. But throughout the episode, Cap and Tony keep trying to play pranks on Herman about the whole not, you know, really hard of hearing thing. And like at some point I was like, okay, guys, like I get it. You want to like, I get it. Um. But sometimes I was like, okay, that's kind of funny. And they try to pull the new guy, Gibson, into the pranks. And he's like, uh, no, I that's a lieutenant. I'm good. I'm going to be out of this for a while. Um, which, like, at least he's smart enough to say no. I kind of wish, like, I get where it was going. And I think it was important that Herman got comfortable with it. And, like, the, the ribbing is, like, what they do at 51. Yeah. I wish it had been written a little better in that it didn't feel cruel. Like, it still felt cruel given that first scene and how scared he was. And it made me really uncomfortable because I was I, like, generally okay with Tony and Caps kind of joking. But in that situation, I was feeling bad for the guy. I feel like they should have just done it the one time and, like, left it alone. Yeah. And then I would have been like, haha, okay, you know, that's funny. Or, you know, that's, like, typical 51. And then, like, it would have been done. But then it was like every time they saw Herman, it was like, let's do something else. And I was like, okay, we get it. He can't really hear that great. Okay, let's move well, on. Like, this isn't, you know. I think my favorite part was that very last, like, what I found was funniest was that very last scene where he realized, hey, I can now tune them out. I can benefit this. Like, let me take them off. Right. Yeah. No, I thought just, that I was. I, yeah. I can't I, tell you what it was, but I wish it was a little different. I get that. Like I said, I think for me personally, it was just like once, okay, fine. But then when you get to like two, three, four, five, like I was like, okay, I don't need that many times. Agreed. And I think I'm okay with it once also because like, you know, if it was someone else, Herman would have done the same thing to them and like as a way to make them feel comfortable about it so like i'm okay with them doing it to herman because i know that's what they were trying their intentions were good so like i said one time i'm kind of okay with it but i did not need it two three four however many times it was that's Uh, true 
That's true. So, of course, like, you know, Herman goes to talk to Bowden, and Bowden's like, look, don't let the ribbon get to you. And Herman's like, no, like, I don't mind, because like, at least they're treating me not like I'm fragile. Like, I'm okay with it because, you know, they're messing around with me, whatever. And he's like, you know, but I'd be lying if I said the hearing aids weren't getting to me. Um, he's like, you know, it's hard to convince myself that I'm still in my prime when I'm wearing them, which I also get, too. Like, he's kind of now feeling like we've always kind of joked that, like, he and Mouch are the old guys, but, like, now he's feeling like he's an old guy. Yeah. Um, Which I'm sure I can't relate to that, but I'm sure if I imagine what that feels like, I'm sure that's not fun to feel. I can feel, I, I can, rec- like, <laughs> I mean, I'm not really, I'm not old, but I'm, I'm old in my job. Okay, yeah. Uh, and I've definitely recently, like, I mean, like all 30 somethings, we, uh, we start feeling some of the physical aging yeah. things. That so, like, I feel, that I feel, but. Right, so like when my knee starts bothering me and I'm around a bunch of like young 20 somethings, I just am like, oh, that's me getting old. Like, so I get it. I did love Bowden's comment about how, like, since at your age, this is you jumping on a bomb. Yeah. Um, and I was like, that's a great point. Like, this literally could have happened to one of the youngest member of this firehouse. It like, could have happened to Reuter if, you know. Right. Yeah. I was like, I'm actually, I don't want to say grateful, but I was like, I'm almost thankful it happened to someone who could be naturally at that point. So it's not weird yeah. to be wearing hearing aids and have to deal with it. Well, and he's lucky that he can get by with some hearing aids and, like, he didn't lose his hearing completely, like, right. like he said. I mean, like, it could have been a lot worse. Um, yes. Also, I don't, I mean, I I know you've already talked about that episode, but that, when that bomb went off, his body bounced. Mm-hmm. Like, if he that's went, the worst woo. thing that happened, like, it literally, like, I just, I was like, that's great. I don't know if they had a stun double there. I'm assuming they did, but, like. Probably. I just watched him bounce. And I was like, if that's the worst thing that happens to him and is lingering, like, I'm happy. Because I thought he was dead. Yeah. Yeah. But Bowden does tell him, he's like, you know, if it comes to the point where the hearing aids don't work, like, just come to me and tell me. And then, you know, we can work something out. Like, don't hide it again. I am glad this did not turn in. I was really worried last week this was going to turn into similar to the very, very early Severide episodes where he would like I think it was season one or season two where he had the back problem and like yes, season one wasn't yeah. dealing with yeah. it like I really didn't want it to turn into this th- drawn out thing where Herman couldn't hear and he was pretending and it was dangerous and yeah we were waiting for someone to get very badly hurt like I am glad it resolved this way well and it's like Casey with that head thing in yeah. season and nine with all of them like yeah which again like their jobs it's their livelihood and it's their lives and like you don't yeah. want to give it up but I was grateful to not have to go through that kind of drama yeah and I'm grateful that like the incident that made Herman realize that like no this is bigger than me just feeling ashamed like didn't really cause a ton of people harm like nobody was seriously hurt because of Herman's actions but it was enough of a wake up to be like no like I can't I can't just let this like slide anymore like I've got to do something about it. Yep. Ritter just saving everybody. But actually, though. Uh, we There's did have... Magic. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, we did have one listener thought. Um, Alexa said, I did not know that David Eigenberg wore hearing aids outside the show. At least now he can pick and choose when he wants to listen to others talking about things. Plus, it was so nice to see Cindy doing so well. Yes. Mm. Um, that is fun fact. If anyone did not know, he does. Um, I don't know whether it was like this storyline came because he needed to be wearing them more. Like, was this like a real life influence the storyline or, you know. I'm sure there was some influence, but um, it is cool that they're showing that as well. And they showed it on when he went back to Sex in the City, too, for like two seconds. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. Well, I only watched like one episode, so I've never really seen it. And I wanted to watch it because of him. And they make a comment about Steve needing his hearing, hearing aids. aids or something like that. Well, I guess yeah. I was going to go in and say, like, I think it's an interesting story. Like, I don't feel like that's something you hear much on TV about. I mean, you don't see much on TV in general about aging, but particularly right. that I haven't seen. And it's just so common. Yes. Like, I feel like you only ever hear about hearing aids when it comes to, like, a deaf person storyline. Yeah, exactly. Not just and- because someone can be hard of hearing. Which is very right. common, like you said, with aging, like very common for older people to have a hearing aid and not because well, they're I deaf, like, but because they can't hear that well. Well, yeah. And like, I mean, our gender, like we're fi- people are finally cluing, cluing into the fact that like loud noises aren't great for us. But like, yeah, our generation of Gen X, we're bound to have off. Like we've been going to these like crazy loud concerts and events that are way too loud and not wearing earplugs when all the stuff with like headphones and like how much we're putting directly into yeah yeah so like i think it's probably be more prevalent as the years go on and like it shouldn't be like we should be proud of like that we have this technology that exists to like give us a better quality of life and not that it's something to be ashamed of also as a way to help kids who have to do this like yes yeah yes well um so that's it for herman but next up we've got stellaride and cruise and yeah yeah i'm over i I, i'm gonna say something i don't think you ever would think i would say i'm over stellaride yeah i think that's a pretty i don't want to say common opinion because i don't think it's totally common but you're not the only person i've said that i've heard say that less in you know in the last 24 hours and i'm kind of right there with you kind of are we like now justifying exactly why shows movies books whatever it is like hold out your ship and don't let them get together and make you wait for the longest time because you just can't make it compelling for an ongoing like is that what's happening here I don't know, but that's a that's an interesting point. Like, was he more compelling when he was chasing Stella? Maybe. I mean, I also just think he's he's gotten more. Like, it's been 11, 12 seasons. Like, yeah, there's only so much of Severide you can see. But he, like, he doesn't have a smile. He's not as char- like for the last two seasons. He's not as charming. He's kind of a grouch. Like. I don't yeah. know, Stella is more fun when she's not like she's had better storylines when he's not around. Like you're not it wrong. Makes it makes me. I mean, I'm literally wearing a Samurai chair right now, so it makes me sad to say. So, it. Like, I feel like just I, last night, 
it just felt very apparent. Like, yeah. it felt very apparent. And if you, I don't know, did you see the thing that was, that had everyone worried before the show aired about somebody leaving? I saw it after the fact. On okay. it, it took me a while. I was like, what's going on? I saw it after the fact and I put it all together. I was yes. just texting you and Gina about, like, did I, not, did I miss something? Is he supposed to be leaving? Yeah. Yeah. So before I feel like we talk about it, there was this article that came down and it was basically Andrea saying that it was either going to be Kid, Cruz, or Severide. And one of them would be leaving in this episode. So, of course, as every- Oh, I missed that. I didn't know it was one of them. She, like, named three people. Yeah. It was basically, oh. it was Kid, Severide, or Cruz. Which makes sense, given this storyline, right? Like, Cruz was, you know, is he going to another firehouse? Like, you know, it kind of made more sense that it was going to be one of them. But... So, of course, everyone's like, are you kidding me? Like, are we going to end up with an 11? Like, of course, it's like the third episode. Like, are they cursed? Like, you know, because last year's episode threes were not great to us either. Um, so everyone's just like, really? Like, is this ha- why? Like, what? And then I watch it and I'm like, you know what? Okay. Like, it seems very temporary, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Well, so- and I'm, like, I, I don't want to be like. I am grateful he didn't just disappear off the face of the planet and they had to yes. make something up. I'm grateful he's back. I don't, I, I don't know whether like maybe he's still going through some, like I, I can't guess what's happening. And is it the acting? Is it the writing? Is it just that they don't have anything anymore because he's done everything? Like I, there are so many different factors or is it just that I'm bored? Because I've been watching him for 12 seasons. Yeah. And, like, He's aging. And no, he's he's very silver fox this year. He's gone yeah. like full gray, basically. And I, I like get it. Like there's only so much he can do anymore. And so like I, I don't I'm not here to put out blame on the factors. I'm here to say I am personally bored of Severide. And I want to go back and watch old episodes where I was much more charmed by him because I just and then I just don't like his behavior and this whole thing, but we'll talk about it. Yeah. So this whole storyline starts and Bowden pulls Cruz aside and he's like, you've been confirmed to take the lieutenant's test at the end of the month. And Cruz kind of seems shocked that it's going to happen like that fast. And Bowden just reminds him, he's like, look, you've got to chart your own course. Like you've earned that right. Like if you want to explore something else, like go for it. So... Later on, Stella runs into Cruz, and she's like, well, how did things go with Severide? Did he apologize? And Cruz is like, well, he apologized, but he also basically may as well have said, like, there's the door. Which, Rachel, I'm curious, last week in that scene where, you know, Cruz and Severide are talking at the end of the episode, what did you think about, like, what was your opinion about that? I think Severide is a great lieutenant to manage a team of people who are excited to be part of his team. I don't think he has the managerial skills to be working with someone who aspires to more, especially someone who didn't know he aspired to more. And so I was very disappointed at how Severide's been treating Cruz, but I I just blame it on like his own skills. Like that's just not what he's good at. Um, and I can see why, like, 
you get the taste of leadership, you get the taste of independence, like a good manager, I feel like I'm back at work, but like a good manager would sit down with someone and be like, I know this is going to be tough for both of us to transition back to our roles and like acknowledging. And like that, I mean, also men, but like. (laughs) Also men. But like, I put it on both of them for not speak, like not being able to have that conversation and recognizing like we all knew, like most people would realize that's going to be a tough situation. And like severide is being severide and i feel bad like i get what cruz is doing and i also think like there isn't a lieutenant position open there Cruz clearly could make a great lieutenant like it should be something to be celebrated not something to be like threatening which is the way they're they like make that tone yeah that also disappointed me did you think that it felt like an apology or did you feel like it was like okay yeah sure i'm sorry but like I'm going to threaten you too. When last week, like when Severide says he like apologizes to Cruz and then he's like, but I'm here now or whatever his specific wording is. I didn't, I wouldn't even have considered it an apology. Like I said last week, I felt like if they had left off the whatever, but I'm back now or whatever that whole sentence ends up being then okay, fine. I would have thought it's kind of a half-assed apology, but I would have taken it more as an apology. But then when he goes into the whole, like, okay, but I'm back now and basically, like, I'm top dog and, like, you kind of got to figure out what you're going to do. Then I'm like, okay, but that just seems more like a threat than an apology. Yeah. The other thing is, like, going back to, like, me not realizing it had been six months. Like, if it's been six months and this is happening, like, what's been happening in those six months clearly more of this and like clearly like none of these apologies or conversations are having an impact well it just went I think it just went unsaid I think Cruz finally just I think he bit his tongue and it finally just it bubbled and bubbled and bubbled so much that he just like couldn't not say anything anymore um yeah he I feel like it was maybe one of those like okay well he just got back so maybe he'll acknowledge what I did you know in a week or so and then it kind of just kept going on and he like you know it just kind of got to him and he just like couldn't keep it in anymore Um, yeah that's true that's absolutely true I just yeah I didn't I didn't take an apology there at all as much as like I was just annoyed at Severide and annoyed at Cruz and them not like actually sitting down and hashing out what was going on Yeah, well, and so what also kind of bothered me, so then Stella tells Cruz in this scene and this week, she's like, well, I think he just maybe said it out of respect for, you know, Cruz to, like, let him make his own choice. And I was like, I didn't, I mean, Stella, I get that you weren't there, but, like, if you were there, you would not have thought that because there's no way that that's what Severide was doing. No way. I, I love Stella, but... She needs, and I mean, actually, this could be an interesting storyline if ever I'd stuck around, but, like, she needs to work through how she, like, she's a great manager, great lieutenant. She's not so great. Like, I would love for her to be a mentor to Cruz, and I think she was when Severide was gone. She is not great at managing conflict when Severide is involved at all. And, like, if they're going to work in the same firehouse, I would like to see, like, she has so much potential. I would like to see her step, been able to step up and handle that better. And I think 
we got a peek of it when she pushed Fabri to go talk to Cruz. Like, right. you got a little peek of it, but I, the way she said, and even on my rewatch today, I sat there and I was like, I want to sit and like break down these words because I think I understand the intention here, but it's not coming across. Um, And I think like, She's trying to both defend her husband, but also support Cruz, and she can't yeah. do that at the same time. Like, it's just not working. Well, especially in this situation, and given what's yeah. going on, like, I, you kind of almost have to pick either a team. You have to be on Team Severide or Team Cruz, like, just given this specific situation. Because um, you either think Severide handled it properly, or you don't. And if you don't think he handled it properly, then you're naturally on Team Cruz. So... I think in this situation, it's hard. It's so easy for her to just say to Cruz, like, you know, I don't, he's my husband. I'm biased. I don't want to sit here and try and, like, help you break apart what he said. However, here's what I would do, or here's how I feel, or, like, I think you should still take, like, you need to do what's most important to you, and, like, he's not going to change. Like, that's why I don't. I don't love the resolution of this whole thing. Oh, we'll get there. We'll, we'll get, get there. there. Yeah. Um. So, the big conflict of this week. So, Ritter brings a packet in that got delivered overnight to Sev. It's from Tucson. And it turns out it's basically a case from the ATF. And he's looking at it at the squad table. And Stella basically walks in on him unless he's like going over the papers and then like she slowly backs away without saying anything because obviously they had this conversation in the premiere that like he wasn't going to do arson anymore and she sees that he's going over arson papers and she's kind of just like what the fuck so then of course to add more flames to the fire van meter shows up he just happens to show up at 51 and then he and Severide have this exchange. Captain, I appreciate all the effort, but I'm not doing fire investigation right now. Look, Kelly, I'm not sure why you backed away from freelancing with the most important arson team in the country, but I can guess. Not wanting to follow in your dad's footsteps, for one thing? It's not that. Okay. But whatever the reason, it's not good enough. You know how many lives can be saved with just one arson arrest. I do. But now, now's a tricky time. That's all. I don't make it a habit of pressuring firefighters into the job. In fact, I've never done it before. But you have the talent and the passion for this. And a bright future once you retire from squad, if you want it. Don't let all that go to waste. For any reason. All right, Rachel. Thoughts about Van Meter and him very much pushing Severide into this. You know have nothing against Van Meter. Like, I think he has Kelly's best intentions at heart. And, like, he's, we just said, Severide is aging. Like, he is very, very good at this. He loves squad, but he's not going to be able to do squad forever. Like, I actually did not, and I know, I know you all disagree with me. I didn't feel like he was pressuring him into anything as much as, like, knowing he's good at it. He loves doing it. Like, you can see him being, like we saw last week, he's excited to do it. He's trying to nurture the career of somebody he sees as a protege. So I think there's a couple things. One, I do think he is kind of pressuring Severide into it, but I think he's 
trying to pressure Severide in it for good intentions. I don't think yes, that's what I, yes, absolutely. I, so I agree with you on that part. I do, I do think he's pressuring him. I mean, he basically says he's like, I don't make a habit of pressuring firefighters into the job, but like I'm pressuring you basically is what he's saying. Yeah. It's um, totally a pressure. I but mean, for yeah, good I reason. I mean, like you said, you, like you said, right. he sees the talent that Severide has for fighting arson, which is very clear to everyone that we know that Severide's a great fire cop. We know this. But I think the issue, though, is that it kind of comes off a certain way because Severide isn't telling via meter why he's not doing it. Stupid. I'm sorry. This is where I'm like. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I mean, we'll get there in two seconds. But like, and I don't think he and Van Meter have the type of relationship where he's going to be like, look, let me tell you all about my marriage issues and why I can't do this. But. He's not telling him. So every time Van Meter sees him, like, what does he think? He's just looking at Severide being like, are you dumb? Like, why are you not doing this? Where we know why Severide's not doing it. And there's a reason. But, like, Van Meter doesn't know this. He just thinks that Severide's being dumb as fuck and not taking a great opportunity. Yeah, and, like, Severide needs to learn how to talk about his feelings. Yeah. Like, all of this would go away. If he just learned to communicate. Yes. Yes. That's all. Yes. Yes. Also, I will say, Gina put it in outline, but, like, the hit about Benny, about, like, oh, like, I'm not sure why you did this. Like, are you not wanting to follow in your dad's footsteps? That's a little, that's a little too far, but. See, I took it as him being, like, is that, like, I think Van Meter is legitimately confused. And well, yes. he's trying to get Severide to talk to him. And he, so he's asking, like, does this have to do with your dad? Which, like, I thought was actually an interesting race because I it never even occurred to me because I know what's actually going on. Right. I think the other... I I think it's also just kind of a little weird. And like you said, I, I understand why Van Meter's doing it. But, like, Severide and Van Meter don't have that relationship where they talk about things that are not OFI related, or at least that we know of. And so, like, I don't know. I feel like just only because they don't have that kind of relationship, the fact that he's even, like, kind of bringing up Benny when I'm sure Severide wasn't the one to tell him about it kind of feels like maybe that's going a little too far for someone you don't know that well outside of, like, OFI world. Assumed like Benny and his relationship with Severide and all that was pretty known across Chicago, like the Chicago Fire Department at those levels. I feel like and it's it, pretty known, but like I don't feel like unless you know him, you should probably it's be like to bring it up. Yeah, yeah, like hey, is this your daddy issues? Basically, like is that why you're not doing it? Like I feel like that's a little if you're not if it's not Bowden, I feel like the only respect like Bowden, okay, fine, but like you know, valid. I just, I feel like he was exasperated because he's like, what are you doing? Like, I don't understand. Like I said, I do, I do feel like Van Meter doesn't understand. And like, we all know the issue. So it's easy for us to be like, dude, like get out of it. But like, he generally is like, if Severide told him, then like, he probably wouldn't be bringing it up all the time. Yeah. So. So then Severide goes back to his quarters and Stella goes and just confronts him about what she saw, you know, him going over the papers and we get this. What's this? It's an ATF case file. Uh, murder, arson in Arizona. I thought that you weren't on 
their investigator list anymore. I'm not. Me and Meter sent the file and I said I'd look at it. Why would you do that, Kelly? Look, Stella, I'm not hiding this from you. I was going to- I had no choice with that arsonist who was targeting firehouses. I had to let you take that on. You're right. I had to do it. This is something I want. This ATF team, they're the best. Working with them would open doors for me down the road, like if I wanted to run OFI someday. But you still don't trust me, so how do we get through this deadlock? Not by bulldozing over me. I'm not. I get it now. Let me show you I can handle a case like this and then come back home to you. You're asking, but it seems like you have already made the decision. I haven't promised him anything. If you're not okay with me going, then I won't go. Simple as that. Just think it over, okay? All right, Rachel, let me hear it. I don't understand. I've been saying it since the first episode of the season. I get that he went away because he got chosen for an arson thing and he was on an investigation. I get that. I thought her issue with him, though, was that he was away and that he didn't come home and that he didn't communicate with her. Not that he shouldn't be doing arson. Like, this whole, like, I don't want you doing arson investigations feels a little far-fetched to me. So, I, I, okay, so I have a couple things. One, what I said in the premiere is that to me, it's not specifically about arson. It's what arson represents. Because to her, it arson represents him leaving her and ghosting her and hurting her feelings and, like, all of that, all the feelings. So in my personal opinion, is that it's not specifically about him doing the arson investigations. It's about what arson now represents to her which is him leaving her which i would buy had he not been so actively doing arts investigations in town prior to his departure but see i guess that's where i to me it's like okay well now she never had a problem with it before but now but she also didn't have a problem with kelly leaving her either beforehand and now that's just what she associates because that's why he left was to go do an arson investigation. So I feel like personally in her mind, she's like, oh, well, if I, which I don't think is a correct way to feel personally, but like in her mind, she's like, oh, well, if he goes on another investigation, it's gonna, he's gonna, I'm never going to hear from him again. He's going to ghost me again. Like, you know, I see it. I, I see it as I think about like how she probably feels. And not to repeat, but well, one, who knows what conversations they had in the six months to kind of give that more context. Yes. But also, like, I would have liked to hear Severide repeatedly say, this is not the same thing. I've like, like, yes, talk about it and yes. find ways that she can ease back into it because I think you're right. Her concern is valid, but the fact that A, it's been so long. And B, nobody's actually addressing that 
yes. has made it feel very awkward to me because I'm sitting there and I'm like, these are two different things. Why, why is this an ongoing argument? Why is she pissed? Like she should want him to have a future as well, like as well. And so like, but maybe again, we let's just play seller severide for not knowing how to communicate. Yes. I was going to say, I feel like I needed more in the premiere, especially from severide about like his voice, just about everything because like, he acknowledges what he did, but it's, like, okay, like, I, I just, I definitely needed more from Severide, for sure. Right. They need to have a conversation that separates, like, the arts and work from the behavior of whatever happened. Also, like, I'd like to understand what actually happened. And, I mean, maybe yeah. they're not answering it because the absence was, like, not planned. But, yeah. like, I would have liked to understand and get a reason for, like, why did he go MIA? Why did he stop talking to her? Why did he not tell her he wasn't going to come home? Like, even if it's like a stupid answer for him or he can't answer it, like addressing the fact that that happened. Yes. I will say the other thing I was going to point out is another way to look at Stella's, why Stella's so kind of mad about the arson thing is Andrea has said in a couple interviews like when she was doing press around the premiere she also compared Severide's arson investigating now kind of like an addiction like he almost he can't stop doing the arson investigations and obviously given Stella's history with like her first husband around like addiction and kind of the few things we know about Stella's backstory Maybe she's more worried about, like, it's not, again, it's not about the specific solving an arson case, more that, like, he's kind of addicted to it and he can't stop. Which, that's not my personal take on it, but that is what Andrea's thrown out, that, like, sometimes she sees arson as, like, an addiction that Severide can't just, like, let go of. But that's not my personal take. Like, this is a compelling show in my head that I don't think would ever fit in Chicago Fire and it's, like, own and pattern but like i think that's an interesting um thing to explore when like something you're really good at also takes um, over takes over and resonates as an addiction and how you like like with this career decision for him how you balance the like i'm really good at this thing and i really like doing it but it also takes up a good portion of my mind that's not healthy like, I think that is a very compelling and very accurate, but not often talked about, like, thing that would be yeah. so interesting to explore, but just, unfortunately, does not fit into the tone and rhythm of Chicago Fire. The closest I could get to someone exploring that is, like, if Dr. Charles, which switch shows, but, like, if Dr. Charles came across, like, a patient like that. And, like, that's what they wanted to talk to him about. So, like, that's the closest I feel like we could work it in. But it is it is super interesting idea of, like, I'm really good at this. But, like, it also, I don't know how to stop letting it take over because I'm so good at it. And I think you see it in, we have seen it in characters in all three shows that have that kind of addictive behavior around their jobs. And, like... It's compelling and an interesting way to put it. I think the part that is missing is like his own communication and acknowledgement of it with Stella and how it gets in the way of their relationship. And like, I feel very unsatisfied each time they try and resolve it, quote unquote. Yes. And going back to this specific scene, 
the other thing that I noticed, and I know Gina pointed out in the outline, and like I know I saw a lot of people on Twitter is like when Stella says, like, Stella's pissed, obviously. She's not happy with Steverite in this moment, but like she also uses the word I, you know, when she was like, I had no choice with the arsonist that was targeting Fire Divider. She's like, I had to let you take that on. And that to me was like, I don't know if it's a red flag, but it's like, I that wasn't really, I mean, I don't know. Like, I get that you, I don't know, like, Severide looked to you when he asked you to do it, but like, also, you didn't let, he is a grown ass man, like, you know. It doesn't feel healthy. Like, what they're living through does not feel like a healthy relationship at all, which is unfortunate because they worked so hard to get to one. Yeah. And I don't have much faith that will see it resolved in the way I like want it to be. Yeah. It's hard. And like, like I said, I get where he's coming from. I get where she's coming, you know, her intentions. Like I get, I get where both of them are coming from, but like there's still just something missing. That's not feeling to me. Like they're really allowing them to resolve it. Correct. So it's, it's hard. Um, but so later on, Cruz finds her and basically tells her that, like, she was right. And he's like, you know, if Severite told me to stay put, I would have resented it, even felt trapped. Like, still, I can't tell if he cares whether I stay or go. And so that clicks in Stella's mind. She's like, oh. So she finds Severide and tells him, like, he should go. Because she basically kind of paraphrasing what Cruz just told her, that, like, he does, she doesn't want him to feel like I, he, she trapped him into staying. And, you know, he basically, she basically is always like, well, just as long as you promise you're going to come back to me, like, and that's what he keeps saying to her. He's like, I promise I'll come back. Like, I promise I'll come back. I promise I'll come back. Which, like, I mean, okay, fine. Like, I understand why she, you know, I think it was smart and healthy of her to point out that she recognizes now that, like, what she was saying to him was not healthy and that, like, he's a grown-ass man and like he should be able to make the decision that like to come back and like you know you kind of you basically have to put your trust in him that like he's your husband you still love him and now's the point like you're gonna either trust him to come back or you're not and like it's basically the balls and separates quarter at this point really understand what happened before like did the case end? Did he just keep taking more cases? Like, what does it mean he didn't come home? Like, I think that's part of the part that bugs me is like, we don't fully understand that. Yeah, I think what happened is whatever he was in training, right? So he wasn't like working on a case. He went to Alabama for like a arson right. training. And then I guess, again, there's, I'm I, putting what we know of what I kind of remember is that like, I think the idea is that he just got, like, he was being recognized for how good he was, that they were, like, the leaders or whatever were like, oh, you could really help us on this case. Like, let me, you know, come work on this thing with us. And then that's why he left Alabama. And again, then somehow Cruz knew, but Stella didn't. And, like, that was weird. And, yeah. Um, like, they just did, because that's the thing is what bugs me most is that, like, why didn't he just call her and tell her? Yeah, like, and, like, how did Cruz know, but she didn't know? Right, like, it's just odd to me that, like, it wasn't just a pick up the phone. And again, like, the 
please come home. To me, it's not about him coming home. It's about him like staying in touch while he's gone and keeping her updated on schedule. Um, this has been kind of a big topic, but when she left in season 10 to go for Girls on Fire, do you think that this is a completely different, I mean, I mean, she, you know, to be fair, she kind of ended up ghosting him too for a hot second. Do you think that they're the same situation? You do think they're the same situation. They're both so immature and can't seem to, like, the fact that neither of them can learn or feel empathy for each other in these situations, like... What the hell? And I almost, in some ways, I almost kind of wish Severide had thrown it back in her face. Now that I'm thinking about it, like, especially now where we're at, like, I almost wish he'd been like, well, you left for Girls on Fire. Like, isn't that kind of this, like, because then at least he is acknowledging what he was feeling at that point versus to, like, compare to how Stella was feeling. Like, I just, I mean, I would have kind of hated it, too. I've been like, Severide, you shouldn't throw that in her face. But now that we're here where we're at, I'm like, I kind of wish she had thrown it in her face. People just acknowledge, like, we work through it that side and we need to work. Like, it, it goes both ways. And I don't know. I just feel like they're going to keep finding themselves in this situation both in both directions if they can't figure out and sit and have a conversation about how this works and maybe it's that they both prefer to not they're not big talkers or texters or whatever it is and that's just not their style but like hey we'll at least text each other once a day or literally just be like i'm alive right i'm alive like like it just seems so immature like for a couple that has been together this long and is now married and has worked through so many things, this feels like something that should have happened like you're one of their relationship, not that they're working through now. Yeah. No, I agree. And I think I do try to always keep in mind, like in the back of my mind, like when Stella left for Girls on Fire and they like they had to keep her away for however many five episodes, whatever that was, because she had to do a reshoot for a movie like she had to be gone for a certain amount of time and that was kind of a last minute we didn't know that was coming and like they kind of they dealt with it the best they could and even with this situation when they when Severide left last year they didn't know what was happening with Taylor and like they didn't know if he was coming back last year and they kind of had to write something that would keep him away and like also create drama but like you know they didn't really know. And I try to keep that in the back of my mind that, like, it's hard. Like, I can't imagine right. kind of. And now that, like, obviously he's going away. But, like, is that for the reasons of, like, that we keep hearing about that, like, budget cuts are happening and, like, we're going to just see the actors a little less? Is that what this oh. is? Or is this, like, a more of the same reason? Like, we don't know. And right. so I try to keep just, like, a little grace for the writers, but, like, it is also hard when I'm, like, but, like, you know. I, yes, 100%. I don't, I, and when I criticize, I could never put myself in the shoes no, of the writers. yeah, 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 yeah. I just, there's a part of me that wonders, like, they can, e- they can be gone equally, like, Stellarite is no longer a will they, won't they? They are happy yes. together. They're married. Wants them happy together. They're married. Like yes, they gave us our that opening scene in the premiere. I don't know why 
both at the end of this past season. I liked what they did with Stella because I think it like it grew their relationship. They weren't married. They weren't even engaged yet. Like this was this that that I was good with. But the fact that it's happening again, just opposite, and now twice like concerned about it twice. Like well, to me, that- they could really as well have like had him texting her and her being like, "Yeah, I'm in touch with him," and like. He decided to extend, and I'm like, I really, really miss him. But yeah. like, I feel like the thing is, is like, like you kind of just said, is like, it happened once. They learned, okay, fine. But like the fact, like you said, it's now basically the same thing, but flipped. And like, it seems clearly that nobody learned about anything, and like, we're going through this all again. Is like, really? And for all we know, this time. They will have learned and we'll see Stella texting him or we'll see her knowing exactly when he's coming home. Or right. Like, and that's what I mean. Like, I hope yeah. so. But yeah, it just, it's the fact that she it's like the third time, herself. basically, yeah. you know, it's like the third time. It's like third time's the charm, hopefully, but like, yeah, yeah. agreed. So, but anyway, so she tells him that before he goes, he's like, he should really ask Cruz and, you know, do the thing he should have done in the beginning you know when he left last year so he does and Cruz accepts and he takes his name out of the pool you know for the lieutenant's exam um and basically tells Bowden you know what it's not my time and which I kind of I mean I don't want to say I kind of figured because I think Cruz would make an awesome lieutenant but like I think he only did that because he was at this specific moment he only did that because of the way Severide made him feel. And that that was like, well, if I'm not wanted here, then I'm going to go somewhere else where I'm wanted. But the only way to do that really is to become a lieutenant. I like that reframe. That makes me feel better. But, and then it ends. Stella and Severide, you know, have a nice goodbye. He's off to Arizona and she's, you know, like, he keeps promise here. He's like, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. So... In my mind, this is temporary. My mind, and for whatever reason... Taylor needs to take an episode two off. Um, I would hope and want to assume he will be back for the wedding. If he's not back for the wedding, then like, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing? Um, so my hope is he's coming back soon, but TBD, TBD. So, yeah. Um, but this is what everyone had a lot to say about. We had a, quite a few listener thoughts. Um, Natasha said, it just hit me. It's the Stellarites too. Like he had to talk to Stella. He had to talk to Joe, but because the changes he's making in his life affect them, but it's us too. It's the Stellarite fans that now have to adjust. I can only speak for myself, but I feel like it was like, okay, I want Taylor to make the choice for what's right for Taylor. And if he chooses to come back, we get Stellarite back. But with this, it's us. It's asking us to accept the changes to their relationship too, which I can adjust to. It's just not the ship I signed up for originally. I feel that. I feel like there's a lot of changes that have clearly happened behind the scenes, and like it's forced the television show to like adjust. And like I can understand that. I can accept that. But like you said earlier, it's like this is not the Stellaride we've loved, and it just feels weird. Mm-hmm feels very weird 
Um, Megan R said, can we please have the seemingly never ending battle of Stellaride versus OFI? Stop now, please. Normally I don't mind Van Meter being on TV, but this week I wanted to punch him. Hopefully when Kelly comes back, he's fully focused on squad. I've never had like a complete OFI problem. It's that it just feels like it's like half the show is OFI now. And like, uh, okay, that's fine. But like, that's not what I signed up for. I signed up for... A firefighting show, which I know arson investigation include you know is included, but like I like mm-hmm. seeing Severide do the squad things, and like I feel like we barely see that anymore. It's all OFI. But um, Alexa said, "I'm sorry to say it, but since Severide has been back, he has been a dick to Cruz. He never apologized sincerely, in my opinion. Plus, Stella's stuck in the middle of trying to be a mediator of sorts, and it seems like as though she is in it a bit." In a bit of a tough spot between her husband and friend. Will this mean that Cruz's possible final season? I really hope not. I don't think this is Cruz's possible final season. I think now that he's made the choice to take his name out of the pool for, you know, the exam, I think that was him being like, no, I'm staying. Um, but I do, I mean, I agree. It's kind of like what we were talking about earlier, that, like, Stella's stuck in the middle. Severide's been a dick, basically, to everyone. Well, really to Stella and Cruz, but... Yeah, I definitely agree with some of that. Um, Gwen said, this was the best fire episode we've had so far. The closing scene with Severide and Stella was so much more loving and tender and real compared to that opening episode one shower scene far, far exceeded it. I feel like I'm glad that you feel like that because I feel like most people in terms of Stella, I don't feel like it's been that great and that this was not that great but i'm glad somebody liked it um and then kayla said the fact that they are undoing severide's character development and stellaride i get that taylor needs to take a break but there are other ways to do it and not drag down stella stellaride down in the process do you think that stellaride will be solid as taylor leaving i mean we know for sure taylor's gone for the next couple episodes how long don't know i hope he'll be back for the wedding i can't imagine them doing the wedding without him um especially because the wedding i feel like is coming up filming wise at least soon i think it's supposed to start filming in the next like week or so so i hope he's coming back soon but stellar ride i don't know i feel like i feel like if when severide comes back i feel like he they will hopefully have learned their lesson so, like, I feel like Celeride will be solid for now, but I feel like that question can very easily change depending on, like, is Taylor leaving again? Like, is he going to be gone for good? Like, I feel like so much of that is going to be, like, what happens off screen will determine Celeride's fate, which sucks. But, like, personally, that's how I feel. I hope that however long he comes back for, they can figure out a way to make some of his storylines more compelling and interesting yeah and different because honestly i don't care if he comes back if it's just gonna be the same old like grumpy guy yeah i hope so i hope that when he comes back that like they've communicated like the fact that he comes back shows stella that like he's not always gonna ghost her you know like i hope it works them out like i hope it works out um, I don't know. It definitely just doesn't feel the same anymore. And that's a shame because like when Stellaride was good 
they were really good. And it just doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like to me personally, like they have the same magic anymore. And it just kind of felt very apparent to me this week. But like, I don't want to, I don't want to keep dwelling on this, but like, what gave them that magic? And like, is there space for that anymore? Like, can, space for can, that in the show in the show or space for that in their relationship in the show like haven't we seen it all like like I, I know I'm being very pessimistic but we're 12 se- seasons down they're married like since they've gotten married and like that whole storyline settles of the danger like I don't know if I buy that they could be in a happy relationship that does not have some kind of danger associated to it. That's also interesting for us to watch. Interesting. Now, what they could do, but I don't think people would be very happy, is they stay in a relationship. We get little snippets of cute scenes here and there, but they each have interesting, compelling storylines separately. I think people would rather take that over. And I would be good with that. I just feel like, yes, that's what I would be good with. But I think that's the only way we can make this work is recognizing that, like, you're not going to have these romantic sweeping storylines about them anymore because there is only so much. Like, we've seen married couples on television who've lasted seasons and seasons and seasons and like yeah they're always gonna have some drama every now and then that kind of seems a little petty but like they've been able to make it work like television it's not a new concept for like characters to be married for multiple seasons and like still make their stories interesting you just you don't see very often it happens there are some really great writers and some really great stories so i don't want to say it never happens But this is a known problem that when the ship finally gets together, it's hard to tell their story, continue telling their story. And that's where I'm questioning, where are we? I also don't think it helps when half of your ship is gone for basically a half a season. I feel like that's kind of where I'm getting is I feel like the writers are in an impossible situation right yes, now. For and sure. I do, not envy, I do not envy them one bit because even if both actors were signed on for all the episodes or they knew exactly how many episodes they had for every actor, like it's still a really tough storyline. Like it's yeah. still a really tough situation for us to continue buying into. And so like not it's only hard. that, but have the unshorty of like, so it's like, it's this, very difficult situation and i just want it like resolved and gone yeah it's hard it's it's really hard and yeah i'm curious to see what happens when he comes back but like i said if yeah. he's not if he's not back by the gretzy wedding then what are we do- what are we doing here what what is happening yeah i i feel like that would have been if this was a play like they knew he was leaving this time I feel like that wouldn't, they couldn't. Right. I mean, given the fact that, like, Jesse Spencer left the show and still came back to be Severide's best man, like. Yeah. 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 Which, speaking of, we're going to move on from Stellaride, but speaking of Bretzi, 
let's talk about Brett and Violet. Um, I really like this storyline. I thought this was fun to see them do something a little different. And I really enjoyed this personally. Yeah, I was almost expecting from the preview that this was going to be like bottle episode style with the two of them. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to feel about that, but I'm in to watch. Yeah. No, I really, I really enjoyed this the way it kind of worked out. Um, so Brett and Violet roll up to this diner, coffee shop, whatever it is, um, to pick up some donuts as a treat. And they're talking about bachelorette planning, and which is fun. I I like seeing the little bit of wedding prep we're getting to see Brett do, um, which is really fun. Um, but she, Brett notices they're like talking in the way that Brett's standing. She sees this woman mouth help me to her. Um, and so before she can even really do anything about it, all of a sudden, like the guy that the lady is with, like forces her outside and like into this car. And the car speeds off, so Brett and Violet are, like, deciding they're going to go after him. And they go on this, like, wild chase, and they're, like, because they're trying to keep, like, a safe distance so that the guy doesn't get spooked. But, like, they're also trying to keep an eye on the vehicle. And, like, they're trying to call PD and be, like, come get us, you know, come find this guy. But, of course, PD is, like, five minutes behind. And, yeah, they basically end up losing it at this traffic light. Um I know a lot of people on Twitter were like, well, why didn't you just get the license plate? I don't see a license. I like tried to look for it myself and maybe it's obviously just, I'm sure this is the camera angles, but it didn't look like even that car had a back license plate. So who knows? But I thought that was fun. I like seeing them kind of go on the wild chase. And at first Violet's like, I don't really know what I'm going to get myself into, but I trust Brett. And yeah. So then they go back to the firehouse and they start telling the story to this officer McDaniel, who we've again never met before, but I guess intelligence was busy. So we didn't get our tiny little crossover. But he they kind of get the feeling that he's brushing them off because he's like, I'll look into it, but like they don't really feel hopeful about that because he didn't even write anything down. So like why would they feel like he's gonna look into it if he didn't write down any of the details? Um so they want to go back to the diner and, like, start looking into it more themselves. And Bowden's like, okay, fine. Just stay in the district. Like, I'm not going to care if you run some gas up. But, like, you can't go outside the district. And they're like, fine. But, so, before they go out again, Violet runs into Carver. And they start having a conversation. And... It seems like it's going to kind of get a little, you know, opening up or whatever. And then all of a sudden Mouch interrupts him. So Violet's like, it's fine. It's fine. Like, I'll just talk to you later. So they go back to the diner. And the lady behind the counter shows them the security footage. And, like, they don't get a ton of clear photos of the guy. But Violet notices something, like, with the menu the girl had. And so she goes and finds the menu and, like, the girl had written on a note saying, like, call 911. I think he's going to kill me. Which, like, for two seconds, I was like, well, where did she get a pen? Like, where did she get a pen? And, like, how did she write that on the menu without the guy noticing that she was writing that on the menu? I mean, it's very smart, but, like, I had the same thought. I was like, how did that actually work out? But, Anyway, not the point of the thing, but so 
they point this whole fact out to McDaniel because he looked at the security footage too, but he missed the menu thing. And he's like, look, this may actually help me convince my captain to like use more resources on this. So like stay put. Let me see what I can do. So they go back to 51 and Violet shows Carver the picture of the guy they're like trying to ID. And he's like, oh, that's a shingler. And she's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, he does roofing. Like, I can tell from the way the work boots are worn that, like, that's what he does. Which, like, I mean, I guess if you, like, work in that kind of work, you could kind of tell. But, like, I would just be like, what? What? Like, how did you come up with that specific of a detail? I don't. So quickly. So quickly. And, like, with a terrible picture. Yeah. I did think that was funny, though. I was like, he must be a shingler. What? Like, what? So, apparently the guy that kidnapped this girl, he comes into that diner a lot. So, they're like, okay, well, let's just hit roofing companies in the area and see if, like, someone recognizes him. So, they go out and they start checking around all the companies. And while they're doing this, Brett asks Violet if something happened between her and Carper. And we get this. Something happened between you and Carver? What? No. No. And it's not going to. It seemed like there was a little spark there. The way you touched his arm earlier, I don't know. There's something about him get drawn in. Can't help it, you know? But I can't risk getting involved with another first responder who could end up getting killed right in front of me. Can't do it. Oh, my. It's a lot to carry. Okay, Rachel. I gotta ask you. What are your Carver and Violet feelings? Yes. You're into it. I am into it. Okay. I'm... I like... Yeah. I'm, I'm coming around to it. I, I was not... If you had asked me, like, pre-season 12, I would have been like, uh, not really. Like, not my vibe. I'm kind of into it. I'm kind of into it now. But I also That's really get where Violet's coming from in this scene. Oh my God. Why she's not willing to kind of go, you know, push it a little more with him because she doesn't, you know, she doesn't want to get hurt again. She doesn't want Carver to be an Evan 2.0. I want to see more of it. Like, this is the story I'm excited to see play out because she's like, she has, she's absolutely right to be traumatized. Yeah. And to be scared there. Um, And I think given in her firehouse and their their past behavior like she's gonna get a lot of different opinions from different people on how how to handle it um but i like it i also just like their friendship like how their friendships are like i was not into shipping them last year um really much at all like it was clear she was still going through her stuff like yeah but i really liked like in in back to our conversation in med like the way Carver, like, we didn't know how to feel about Carver for that whole season. Yeah, the whole year. And, like, it was up, it was down. It felt very, like, when you think about it, real about how you feel about the new guy. And so I think, like, there is something to me that's exciting and interesting about the fact that, like, okay, he's not the new guy anymore, and we do trust him, and he's worked out his stuff with Stella, and wow, the Stella Carver thing is in our, like, let's forget Way that. Way back in the past, yeah. Um, And he's also, like, like maybe now we can all write it off as, like, 
he is just a very charming guy and so it comes off that way like and flirty and like that's just how he is yeah um but i also think she can use a male friend like gallo's gone she can use a male friend like i'm okay with any way this goes like if, if she doesn't want it to be serious fine but i also think both of them have he has a very a background that we don't quite know much about yet a lot we we know a little yeah and i think it it could be interesting to see i think they're also probably very different intellectually yes um and i think that would be an interesting relationship to watch too and something we haven't seen yet like like she and gallo were both very nerdy kids yeah and so like he's not the nerdy guy like i'm I'm pretty i'm pretty sure that's not his history no he's clearly like a blue collar like he does very much like he did like construction on the side like yeah he has like his relationship with his brother that we learned about last year i mean all that stuff yeah i think their banter can be really fun and entertaining given that background so i'm i'm in i think this is something different and something we need like we don't have any like well, they won't be relationships anymore right now. Everybody's steady. So like, let's yeah. give us, let's get us something to get excited about. I think too, I think one, their banter is really great. It is really fun to see them kind of play off each other, especially because like Violet, I feel like has always been kind of like the whip smart, like I'm going to throw them back at you. And like Carver isn't afraid to like throw it back at her, mm-hmm. which is nice to see. Because sometimes I feel like, gallo who's usually the other person we saw her banter with sometimes like he was such a cinnamon roll puppy dog that like he was so scared of her he didn't want to throw it back at her sometimes sometimes he did but like for the most part he didn't um but also just the specific storyline from like this conversation i just think is so interesting that like a they're obviously still carrying her grief you know, like, they didn't just, like, drop her grief over Evan last year. They, like, kept it going. Um, yeah. And, like, it's nice to see that, like, yeah, grief doesn't just stop, like, two months after, you know. And yeah. it affects, like, everything you do moving forward, especially, you know, losing a significant other. So, like, I'm really just curious to see how they play that into this relationship. Um, yeah. Because I think that'll be really interesting and not something we've really seen on any of the shows. Like, we've not really seen someone who, like, lost their significant other and then has now been forced to move on, you know, life after this person that you loved and cared deeply for and, like, literally saw die basically in front of your eyes. Like, you saw it happen and, like, just the trauma around that. And I just think it's going to be really interesting to see how they keep that as, like, a... I don't really know how to move on, but, like, I kind of think I'm ready to move on and, like, oh, shit, I like this person, but, like, I don't know. You know, like, I just think all the stuff around the grief is going to be really interesting to see, too. And remind me, when did Carver start? Carver started after Evan died? No. He started. He was there. He was there. So did he ever meet him? I mean, I think in, like, I'm sure in like a two second, you know, okay, like, so he, but, he was but not like, did we, we did not see a scene, you know, like a scene of them meeting. No, but so like, he was, he was around for all of Violet grieving yes. all that. So he's aware yes. of that situation and he's not. Okay. Yes. Yeah. He was aware. He's aware of all of that. And I, if I remember correctly, I think he was on the call. So like, obviously like 
just in terms of their specific relationship moving forward, like, he literally saw what her trauma happened to her. Yeah. So, like, it's not like she has to tell him. Like, he knows. Like, he already knows. He was already there. Like, he already saw, you know. Maybe that's yeah. for the, maybe that's, that, maybe that's almost a better thing. Yeah. And I just think that's really, like I said, I'm, I am very curious to see where they go with this. Um, yeah. But we'll get there in two seconds, too. Um, so basically, in terms of the plot, they go check this roofing company that's, like, technically right inside their district. And that's where they find the car. So, of course, they sit and wait for McDaniel to show up. But then they see the guy and the girl, like, get into this car. And before, of course, any PD presence is there. So they decide they're going to block the exit with the ambulance and, like, buy time for PD to show up. And luckily, even though the guy is, like, trying his best to, like, ram into the ambulance and, like, get out, um, it buys them just enough time for, like, PD to show up. They get the girl out safe and sound. Um, And as it turns out, he was... The guy was an abusive ex-boyfriend who, like, went a little crazy when she filed a restraining order against him. So... It all, everyone's fine in the end, but yeah, Brett and Violet save the day. Um, And then it ends with, so we're at Molly's hanging out later and Carver offers to buy Violet a drink and she doesn't let him. And she says she's going to the bathroom. So she like walks towards the back and like he goes after her and he kind of confronts her. He's like, look, this hot and cold thing you're doing, like. I'm starting to get whiplash. She's like, just when I think we've got some good energy, like, you ice me out. He's like, what's your deal? And she decides to kiss him. Also, I feel like just also important to know, not that it really matters, but she did kiss. She and Gallo shared a kiss in that pretty much exact same spot by the bathrooms at Molly's. I totally missed that. That's funny. That's in season, that would be nine like towards the end of season nine i'm trying to remember which episode it is but they do kiss by the bathrooms i do yeah i remember i remember it now yeah but it never occurred to me Um, again not that it matters but like just to throw that in there like i guess violet likes to make out by the bathrooms at molly's apparently (laughs) who knew that was a makeout spot anyway continue Um, I, i was gonna say i do even before the kiss happened i remember it going through my head and being like as Carver approached her and like called her out, I remember thinking like, good for him. He is not avoiding conflict. Like the easiest thing to do here is to just be annoyed and complain to other people and just continue. And like, this is a guy who clearly knows what he needs to do and is addressing it. And I was impressed. I was like, good. I wouldn't be able to do that. When I feel like, I mean, every relationship is different, but I feel like I've, heard friends have like there's a lot of relationships that start out with just people dancing around each other for like months and months and months and like I feel like this very could have been them like dancing around each other for like ever and ever and ever and like I'm kind of like you said he finally was just like you know what fuck it like she's either gonna say something like and acknowledge it or she's not like I but at this point like I kind of just need to know but um, even relationship aside, his ability to be like, why are you messing with me? Like, even if it had nothing to do with, like, a relation, like, vibes romantically, the, like, being able to confront her appropriately, it was completely, it was completely right. polite. 
and not not to be uncomfortable with the idea of being like what are you doing like why are you treating me like this like I was just impressed with his ability to address that conflict yeah that's an interesting point and it's not like like you said he's not being malicious about it but like and she's not intentionally being felt like she's like messing with him like in a malicious way but like flirting goes a lot of different ways sometimes um but i just had oh so then you know violet carver's like okay do you want to leave and so they agree to leave but i guess what i'm curious about is next episode like i assume she's gonna be like we shouldn't have done like i'm assuming they're gonna sleep together and i'm sure she's gonna be like we shouldn't have done that i'm not ready or blah 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 like i'm assuming that's kind of the path they're going down that's what I'm assuming, but I hope they surprise us. Like, I would love to not predict what can happen. But what would you want them? Like, if you don't want them initially, if you said, okay, they're not going down the way we predict, like, what would you ideally want them to do? Scenarios that could be fine. Like, maybe they decided not to sleep together. Maybe they wake up and they're like, you know, that was fun. Let's keep this. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I just, I don't, I want to be surprised and I want to enjoy it. And I don't want to see, like, the, okay, she's not sure. Like, I just feel like it's tired to do the, we shouldn't have done that. Okay, we won't. Now it's awkward at work. Now, like, I don't know. I think the thing, though, and I think what hopefully makes this different is not that just, like, oh, that was a bad idea because we worked together, but, like, what she told Brett earlier, it's still very true. Like, it's not that she doesn't start, isn't starting to feel something for Carver. It's that she literally has this fear now about dating someone that, you know, basically can get hurt on the job at any moment. And like, right. She, totally. So like, totally. it's not even, I don't, I think if she does, which I assume she's going to happen that next week, she's gonna be like, we shouldn't have done that. I don't think it's out of a like, oh, because we work together. It's oh, because we work together. But like, I also there's a chance that if I come so attached to you, I'm going to lose you. And I don't want to go through that again. I think, okay, so I'll say this. I am fine if that's, that's what happens. But I what I don't want to happen is she won't tell him why. Like, the, yeah. the tired part is the like she won't tell him why and so then they're just dancing around and he thinks she's embarrassed and like that story is so old and so yeah. i don't like want to live in that middle ground of like they hooked up once and it's also like okay what does the rest of the firehouse know like how is that how can that be an interesting story like what can they do there to make it interesting i'm excited to see and i want to be surprised well and because presumably uh, the only person that knows is brett like because brett obviously is the one who asked her like hey what went on with you carver maybe stella knows something a little bit but like presumably only the girls know yeah so like i i think there are so many things that i'm like hoping that it is not the tired she won't tell why she doesn't want to do it again and like i don't know yeah especially since there is su- such an interesting reason behind why she's scared to be with him right or a more unique way i should say to like yeah. as to why she's scared to come yes. you know come back to him um but yeah i'm here i'm definitely i'm definitely like it like this episode i'm like okay like i'm in so i i i'm i'm ready i'm like okay like ring on the next episode let's do it I'm excited. Um, we did have one listener thought. Um, Heather B said, 
I think we're probably going to see Violet have a very negative reaction to hooking up with Carver. And I wouldn't be surprised if she pushes him away until the Bretzy wedding is planned or over. It was, I think it was interesting that she made the comment to Brett that it isn't specifically moving on from Evan that is her hangup, but that Carver is a first responder and she doesn't want to be in that situation again. I think eventually she'll come to terms with it, given that they help people every day who aren't first responders and still in dangerous situations. But I see it being a pretty big struggle for her, even if she really likes him. In a way, I like that we're seeing a parallel between Stellaride and Carver and Violet. Both are struggling with the idea of what one side of the relationship does or wants to do for a living. We are just seeing it from two different perspectives. Violet has to decide if she'll let someone's job hold her back from a relationship, and Stella has to figure out if she would hold Severide back from something he wants to do in an effort to maintain a relationship. I hadn't thought about it like that, but there's definitely, I mean, a reverse parallel or a parallel, but like it exists, and I hadn't thought about it like that. But that's a very good point, Heather. Um, and then last up, real quick, we've got Mouch and Gibson, the new guy. Rachel, any first opinions on the new guy? Like, I'm not, I don't know. I know, we don't know, like, a ton, like, this was basically, like, oh, let's set up his mysteries for the season episode. Um, I just, I feel like every week I'm going to say it, but, like, the man is very good looking. He's very good looking, and every time I see him, I'm just like man that is a good looking man um but yeah so it's official he Derek gibson is his full name Derek gibson named as an homage to Derek Hass, um is writing on 81 um and mouch is like you know what it's my responsibility to do research on the new guy and I thought it was funny his exchange with Carver when he's like, well, you did that to me. And Mouch's like, yeah, but you were a little shady. I was like, when he said that, I was like, I mean, true, but it was, that was just so funny. I was dying. Um, So Mouch really takes it upon himself. At first, though, the only thing he can find on Gibson, though, is that while cause he was a floater before this, like while he was at House 32, a new bar of soap went missing. I was dying. I was like, oh, man. Yep. It's so good. Yep. It's so good. Like it, It's so good. We don't deserve Mouch. We really don't. No. Like, no. we really don't. And so he wants Ritter to do Google magic on Gibson. And Ritter's like, you mean Googling? But no, like, I'm not. I'm not doing Google magic on Gibson's personal life. Speaking of that, I will be using Google Magic for the future. Yeah. Um, Rachel, I need you to go do some Google Magic on X, Y, and Z. People are going to look at me and be like, what are you talking about? I'm like, Google Magic. It's like, (laughs) it's literally how my dad talks to me. He'll call me up and be like, can you like look up that thing on your, on your machine? Yeah. To find out this thing for me. So I'm going to teach him. I, I feel like I should teach him Google Magic and he can ask me for it. He'll have no idea where it came from. Yeah. Yeah, no, I feel like my dad talks to me like that too. So like I get it, but Google Magic is just so Google good. Magic. Um, so later on, Herman asks Bowden like while they're talking, like what he thinks about Gibson, and Herman's like, "Is he fifty one material?" And Bowden's like, "Well, I don't know if it's as simple as that. Like I think you have to see what a person brings to the firehouse and what the firehouse brings out of them." He's like, "I think that's how we find the special ones." 
Um, but the next line was so good. <laughs> where her oh, where like, Herman's yeah. like, yeah, sometimes we we do have some special ones. Where we have special like he says it's serious. Like it was just funny. Oh yeah, because he's <laughs> like, we do have some like special we are ones. Some special ones. Yeah. Especially because I'm pretty sure like Cap and Tony are outside the door that in that scene, and it's just like, yeah. We know who yeah. you're talking about. We know who you're yeah, talking about. Great. It was great. So later on, Carver somehow still gets roped into Mouch's plan and starts he sees Gibson working in the common room and like asks him some pretty basic questions. So what we find out about Gibson is he's been a firefighter for about two and a half years. He's Chicago born and raised. He has no prior family members in the fire service. And when Carver asks him about like his sport. He says, "Well, I played a little football in high school." So while they're working on the call at the store, at whatever store that is, like a Costco, basically type place, um, someone recognizes Gibson, and he's like, "Didn't I watch you win the Cicero semifinals?" And Malch asks him about it, and he's like, "I don't know what the guy was talking about." So. They get back from the call and Mouch sends it to Carver and he has Ritter do the Google magic on it and it's an amateur boxing tournament and apparently Gibson was a Golden Gloves regional contender who was undefeated and then all of a sudden basically just like walked away to become a firefighter. Which, like, obviously there's a story there, which, like, I can't wait to learn about. Um, But, you know, they decide to be the bigger people, and they decide, you know, not to ask him about it right away. Basically, they're like, it's his business. Like, yeah. Yeah, I know. They I decide feel like, not to ask him right away. The episode ran out of time. They'll, they'll be asked. <laughs> I feel like it, it will probably some come up in, like, the worst possible way, too. Like, that's just, I feel like it'll come up. But they technically, at the end of this episode, they decided not to ask him about it. They recognized that, you know, not everyone wants to tell their story, you know, to basically strangers at this point. Like, give him time to tell it on his own terms. So. They're not that, well, maybe the new guys are mature enough that they're bringing on. But that is, yeah, that is not 51 style. Um. I do think I am really curious to see though, like what happened, like why he left basically a amazing boxing career to become yeah. a firefighter. Because obviously there's a story there, but I'm curious. I'm like, I mean, there's nothing so far that I'm not like, okay, like I'm in, I'm in on the new guy. I'm in. Yeah. I, I am too. I already though, like, and I don't know what this was, but, like, when Carver was introduced last year, like you said, it was basically a whole season of, like, I don't really know how I feel about Carver. And already, so far, I get much better vibes off of this guy. And he's been yeah. basically two episodes. An episode and a yeah. half, really. Right. And I think some of that comes from, like, if Kylie liked him and she's not going to come to yes. 51, then, like, let's let's let some yeah i think that like that's part of it is like we all feel pretty positive about him as a guy um because he saved kylie yeah i mean anyone who saves kylie in my book is a goddamn hero so yeah yeah and you know what we're getting some young ones 
they're all so young. I know. Chicago Fire, the new generation. I'm telling you. It's my dream like, spinoff. Like, well, Ritter's getting old. And Ritter isn't, yeah, old. No, but he's going to be, for the new generation, he's going to be, like, the match in Herman. Yeah. Well, no. He's going to be, like, the Captain Tony. Or even, honestly, probably even more like the Sever Riding Casey. Like the Sever Let's be real. Casey. Let's be real. He's going to yeah. be, like, the Sever Riding Casey. Um, yeah. But still, he's going to be, like, the older one. And yeah. I listen, Gene and I've talked about it on the pod before, but, like, you could really go there with, like, they've had enough people kind of, like, kids over the years that, like, have shown, like, a slight interest in, I mean, you could build a whole new generation. I'm just saying. I mean, that's effectively what they've started doing in Grey's Anatomy now. I'm still, like. Yeah. Keep it going. Hey, that's how you make it work. Mm-hmm. How the show keeps going. Um, we did get one listener thought. Um, Megan said, "I wonder what happened during Gibbs's amateur boxing career that caused him not to talk about it anymore." He intrigues me. He intrigues me too. Um, Rachel, any last thoughts about Fire? No, I liked it. It makes me happy. I know. I. I like I liked Fire too. I know we had a lot to say about the steroid stuff, but like I did overall, I still really liked the episode. Yeah. I think the other thing that with the Stellarite stuff is that like Stella's stories are less interesting when it's drama with Severide. And I like miss Stella having like interesting dilemmas or things to walk through or like showing what a badass lieutenant she is. And like you can only put her on screen for so long, and so I miss. I well, miss good Stella content. Maybe in these couple weeks that Severide is not around, we will get our dose of. Yeah, I just feel like I know it's long- a shame that he has to like not be there for it. To right, happen. exactly. I was like, where is this great Stellaride content? Stella, Stella content, where then she can like she can celebrate with her lovely husband. Yeah. After it, or like use him as a as a sounding board, or like like that's what I miss. Yeah, no, I get it. That is- I get it. All right, last up, we've got PD, and Petey. oh man, this episode. So I I told you I was about to quit PD. Yes, <laughs> you were basically uh, like I'm, I'm watching for you and Gina. I'm watching for you and Gina. I'm about to quit this show. I could barely focus at all in the first episode. And even the second episode, which was Adam, and I like Adam more, like, I still wasn't that, didn't really care that much, like, but I'm watching it because you, like, I'm not quitting this week because you asked me to do. (laughs) I like how you're basically like, I asked you to come on the pod, so I'm gonna watch it this week. Right, and I was like, and the the the, the preview seems somewhat interesting, and it's a Kim episode, and I like Kim, but like, wow, my opinion turned around. This and was... not even just because that last scene, like even halfway through, I was like, this is a better show. It's really in- This is a really intense episode. One yeah. of honestly, one of pro- and it's not even just because like it's super graphic like visually like it's not like we're exactly. seeing like visually yeah. like a bunch of blood or anything like that it's not even that it's the content i mean the way the this content, case unfolds yeah it, for the sure content is intense. i would also say like 
the mystery of it is actually more compelling and interesting than usual yeah than lately and, and so I, I was actually like didn't want to stop watching because I was curious about what would happen which doesn't usually happen usually I'm just like blah whatever is the case it is what it is um and I didn't feel that way this week I actually did not see that coming like, nope. I really thought, and we'll get there, but, like, I really thought he was going to die. Like, I thought that was going to be, like, he joined Intelligence for a case and, like, he was going to die and whoever was going to be named, you know, the, you know, killer. But I yeah. did not think what happened was going to happen. Um, nope, me neither. I thought he was either a new guy we got to see around or, like, you're right, like, he was going to die. Like, he seemed like a great guy. Yes. Um, and before we get into it, though, I feel like it is just important to acknowledge. I saw a lot of talk on Twitter about there were a lot of people upset with the way this episode was portrayed because of it was a Latino man killing a Latino, you know, Venezuelan woman and that the white saviors, you know, Kim the white saviors were coming to save the day. Like I just, I saw a lot about that narrative and a lot of people were frustrated with that. And I just feel like before we get into our conversation, like, I feel like it's important. I don't necessarily feel comfortable talking about that because I am a white woman and I don't feel like it's my place to be commenting on that personally. But I do just want to say, like, I see that commentary. I acknowledge that commentary and like everyone's feelings about that like I see it and I I saw it was not just one person I saw quite a few people upset with it um but I I, I, yeah. I feel like it's hard yeah. for us to talk about as two white women white because women. Yep. we're two white women like yep so that's, that's valid commentary um and you know to a certain extent like the show hinted at that with the comment about her her white savior adopting yes. a black child. Yes. Um. So I think it's it's aware yes. of it. I think also I found the commentary interesting in the beginning on like her trying to talk to the death sergeant and he's like, "Oh, you another woke police." Yeah. Like, um, I think there's a lot of. I think in this case. Chicago PD is starting to lean into a lot of important conversations we should be having about law enforcement, about cities, about the world we live in. Um, and you see it more in some other shows and uh, some other cop shows than this one, I think sometimes. Um, clearly we get it sometimes. So I was, I was, that also intrigued me. Yeah. Like I said, I did, I just did want to point out that I wasn't like, I see the commentary I saw, I read you know, people's opinions. I just personally feel like it's hard for me to talk about it because of who yes, I am. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. So the other thing we... I found, yeah. No, go, go ahead. Out. No, go ahead. I think the other thing that is interesting about this one, and you had said it was even referenced in, in med, but this one had me learn, like looking up more. Like I was literally sitting there and I was like, I want to understand this. Like, why are people like living in the police office? police station why is it okay what's the tent city outside about like yeah why why what like what is the job she's doing um and I didn't spend a ton of time researching it but literally and just googling using the google magic um and putting in 
uh, migrants in police stations living in police stations. Chicago is the city that came up where Chicago was actually housing the migrants being bused from. Yeah, mostly Texas, like Texas. And yeah, Florida, I think and Florida or just Texas. I think it's that I don't Texas. know, but it would. I can't make... remember. But like yeah. the migrants who are being bussed up to sanctuary cities or to other big cities, um, that is how they are, how they were. They've now cleared a lot of them out and found shelters. But like that was their solution, um, which yeah. was fascinating to me, but also something interesting. And I think like an opportunity to learn more about the migrant situation. Yeah. And I also, and I put this in the outline a little further, but like, and I don't know if this would have solved the problem because, again, it's not my place to speak on it. But I, in this particular episode, Torres' absent also just felt very yeah. glaringly obvious that, like, That's a good point. I, again, I don't know if he would, him being there and hit, it being, like, his case to solve, if that would have fixed the issues. Because, again, I don't, it's not my, like, I don't. You're right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just, I don't know if it would have fixed it, but to me, especially from the first scene, like, when Kim talks about, like, she's been picking extra shifts because they need Spanish speakers, well, like, as soon as she said that, even before we knew anything else, I was like, okay, well, where's Torres? And I know he's coming back next week, but, like, okay. And I think they could have leaned more into the hey, why are you really doing that? Like, I, I think they could have leaned more into the questioning of Kim's motives and, like, acknowledging, hey, are you just being a white savior here? And that that might have also... Yeah. Like said, a little, little better. Hard for us to talk about, but I just... Mm-hmm. I saw that commentary, and I did just want to... Before we dive into the episode, I did just want to make sure we talked about it. I'm glad you said that. I did not even... Not cross my mind. So, with that being said, the episode kicks off and we get basically a minute straight of just, like, domestic versing. And, like, literally just them being like, okay, you got Michaela, her school tomorrow, lunch, you know, whatever. Like, oh, I don't know where Michaela's lunchbox is. Okay, that's fine. I found this one for, like, literally just, like, all the little domestic things that I think everyone's just wanted for them for so long. Like, in that just straight minute, I was like, yes. Also, just the Power Rangers lunchbox just feels very Adam to me, personally. Yeah. Yeah. Or Gina when you need her. She literally even sent text me last night. She was like, Power Rangers? And it was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um. But yeah, so Kim's basically, like we said earlier, Kim is getting ready to go in for an extra shift. And she's picked it up because they need Spanish speakers. And she speaks Spanish, which that's a nod to marina because marina speaks spanish oh Um, i didn't know that yeah well i mean i obviously did in the episode but i didn't know that yes marina i don't know if she's fluent but she speaks spanish which is why every now and then they've had kim they're able to you know because she speaks spanish so she arrives at the 13th district for her shift and as we talked about briefly there are a lot of venezuelan migrants living out of the district um, and they even kind of briefly talked, you and I were texting about this last night, that like in Med's premiere, they briefly kind of touched on this too, about the fact that when Zola is working on her patient, she runs out to basically go to the police station where this guy was from 
and bring all those migrants into the hospital to get treated and make sure they weren't like starting an infection. So mm-hmm. they even briefly touched on it on med too. Um, so she's going to be working with, she showed, you know, on her shift, she's been working with Danny Alvarado, who's a cop from that district. And they're basically the death sergeant. there. basically is like, look, you guys are just here to keep the peace. Um, that's really your main job. So they're basically almost, they're at the end of their shift almost. It's like early in the morning. And while they're working, some guy fires shots off into the district. Um, Kim goes after him and like loses him pretty quickly. Um, one lady did end up getting shot in the leg and Alvarado tried to do a tourniquet, but he was too late. Um, and she ended up basically dying on scene. So the next morning, Kim is talking with the victim's friend, Gabriella, and she really doesn't want to talk about anything. You know, she was like, I was only trying to live. Like, I don't want to basically, I don't want to tell you what I saw. Um, so then Voight rolls up on the scene and of course they go do the whole thing. They go over what they know. Um, basically the shooter's vehicle was stolen last night and all of the victims that were shot were Venezuelan nationals. Um, and basically they point out, you know, the fact that like people are really unhappy, kind of like what you're talking about. Like people are really unhappy about the whole situation, um, of them being bussed up, you know, to sanctuary cities. And I think it's Upton that points out, like it basically, this whole situation feels like it was a hate crime. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just a random shooting. Um, no, it's not it, like it, that. It shouldn't even feel like a hate crime. It was a hate crime. Like, yeah, they knew exactly where they were shooting. Yeah. So Danny asks Voight if he can work the case with them. He's like, you know, this is my district. It's hitting me hard. Like, it's, I, I just want to help. And Voight's like, yeah, well, Kim's running point, so you can work with her. So they're back in the bullpen. And basically all they get got is the slugs from the weapon match an old gas station robbery from like a couple of years ago. But that's literally all they've got to go off of right now. Um, and they're like, well, CPD had a person of interest and they could in that gas station robbery and they couldn't get the charges to stick. And it was this guy, James Pleasant. And once they start doing a social media dig, of course, he has a lot of things that he posts on social media, you know, about Venezuelan nationals. And he's basically super racist. And... But, of course, they point out, they're like, well, it's not a lot against the law to be a jackass. So, they can't, just because he posted about it on social media, doesn't unfortunately mean anything. So, Danny looks it up and he's like, oh, the guy lives with his sister who has an outstanding warrant. So, let's go for her and then, you know, they can get to him. So, they go to her house and they find James and they basically find a ton of weed in the house. So, they use that as their key to, like, bring him in for questioning. So, Kim and Danny do the questioning and the guy's like, look, I pawned that gun years ago. Like, I wasn't the shooter, which his alibis check out. He was not the shooter. But... He makes a comment to, like, a racist comment to Danny while they're in the interrogation room about, like, your people. And Danny loses it on him. Like, straight up loses it. And Kim brings him out in the hallway. And she's like, look, I get it. What we saw was ugly. And the world feels really ugly, real ugly after that. I wanted it to be that guy, too. But now it's not. So we go find who it is. And that's it. 
which like I like that quote the first time I heard it like I liked what she was saying to him and I was like yeah and then like after I've rewatched it now and I can like see throughout the episode like oh no he's been the bad guy the whole time I was like that kind of feels a little weird now like like oh we're gonna come for you we don't know it's you yet but we're coming for you like okay so Patrol ends up finding the vehicle from the shooting, but it was, of course, abandoned and torched, so they can't pull DNA from it. But they are able to pull, like, the GPS coordinates, and basically an hour before the shooting, the vehicle was at a documented open drug market. They know that the vehicle was there, so, and that's literally all they've got to go on at this point. So they're like, okay, we're going to go check it out. And... Kim and Danny go check it out, and they stop these two guys, and they basically, they give them this name, Aaron Marshall, and that's who they believe is the shooter um, at from the, you know, shooting. And so, basically, they find his Finsta, and I know that that's, like, a slang term, like, I know what it means, but every time I hear someone use it in, like, real light or, like, on the show, I'm like, it just sounds so fake to me because I feel like I never hear anyone actually call it a Finsta, you know, Finsta's Finsta's, even though I know that that's like a term. But like when they said it, I was like, oh, yeah, Finsta. I do know what that means. But like, I don't know. Finsta is just such a funny term to me. So they find Aaron Marshall's Finsta. And basically he'd been posting a bunch about like this busted up Maserati at some garage. So they're able to track it down and like pinpoint exactly like where that car was towed to so they go there and they're on the way there and kim asked danny like how long he's been a cop and he's like you know my dad was a cop basically so he's like i've been a cop my whole life uh and he says to her he's like know any cop families and she's like yeah i know one obviously talking about adam's family you know that she basically is not going to marry into um but I thought it was kind of weird. Not that the conversation and what she said was weird. Because I get that she doesn't want to be like, oh, yeah, well, Adam's family. Like, I get that she didn't say that. But, like, they never did anything else with that conversation. Like, it's not even, like, at the end where she's like, oh, well, like, the stuff about you being a cop for life. Like, or what, you know, like, it's literally just kind of like a random conversation. And I was like, I expected them to do something else with it. And then they never did. And I was like, okay. Well... I think there's my, my guess is the intention was setting up this this guy who feels like he's above the law because he's been involved in stuff because, for so long. Like, he's been involved in so long, and like he probably believe like I, I am really intrigued by his intentions and what's going through his head, why he wants to be involved in this case to begin with, knowing he's. The bad guy, like, like I think there's stuff there that they didn't quite get to deal with. That probably is where that came from. You mean why he wanted to be involved in the case before we knew anything about? Right, right, right. Like now you look like, back on it, and you're like, suspect, like, why does he want to be involved in the investigation? Shouldn't he just like go away? Right. No, that I yeah, that I definitely get. Um, I just thought because I guess I just. Ex- thought they would like bring that back up at some point and right. they didn't like explicitly bring that up so i was like okay no um, and that's where i feel like there probably was more in their head or more that got cut that probably brought that back 
brought that back or was trying to why she asked there was some context there yeah um but anyway so they go to the um garage and they you know go through a whole trying thing trying to find marshall and kim ends up cornering marshall and she's pretty sure that she's like going to be able to get himself to turn you know turn himself in even though he has a gun she does not feel afraid of him she thinks that like it's all going to be fine and he's going to basically like you know turn himself in and all of a sudden danny shows up and like for two seconds you can see in his eyes that marshall recognizes him and he's about to say something to him but danny shoots him before anything else can happen and kim asks him like hey it seems like you knew him did you know him and he denies it he's like no i never met him um and she's, like, kind of shocked. She's like, no, I had this. Like, I don't know why you shot him. And he's like, look, like, I had your back. But, like, he, you know. And at this point, it's like, okay, something, something's going on here with Mr. Danny. And she brings up her feelings to Voight. Like, her gut feelings. And Voight's like, you know, because obviously a cop accusing a cop usually does not go over well without, like, hard evidence. And he's like, you know, you basically understand you cannot be wrong about this. But he's like, look, if you're that's what your feelings telling you, then like go back and dig into this. So what Kim finds out is that Marshall and Danny, while they may not have been like BFFs or anything, like they definitely crossed paths because two years ago he busted Marsh, Danny busted Marshall for some heroin, and then literally nothing else ever happened. Like he was never you know, sentenced or anything like that. He was basically just, like, let go. And Ruzik decides he's going to look into, like, complaints about Danny. And he had one a few months back, but it was retracted. And the only thing they know, though, is the name of who made it. And it's Gabriella, which is the victim's friend that Kim talked to earlier. So Kim goes to try to talk to Gabriella. And, of course, she's been moved to a shelter now. And she tries to ask one of the guys who's, like, outside the police station. And he's like, well, I don't know where she went. And he makes a comment about how, like, she and Raquel, the victim, had been through hell. And he's like, look, like, Raquel came to me once for some pain relievers because I, you know, he's like, I'm pretty sure she was raped. And he thinks that, like, Gabriella was there and, like, watched the whole thing happen. And he's assuming that whoever raped Raquel worked at the police station. So Kim's mind is a little blown in this moment. And she goes to the morgue, but like the guy, I, the mortician. No. What is mortician? Is that what <laughs> you call Medical examiner. Yeah. It's like the mortician is the one who. The mortician's the one who like beautifies them. The funeral embalming and all. And I was like, that's not right. And I knew I knew that it wasn't right as soon as I said it, but I like I was like, it starts with an M it was and fun. I can't think of it. It was good. It was the good. The medical examiner tells him, he's like, Look, I can't confirm that was a, there was a sexual assault. It was basically it was too long ago, but she was pregnant. And he's like, Look, you could see the mark from the tourniquet, and like whoever did the tourniquet, like it was placed in the wrong spot. Like if it would have been placed in the right spot, she probably would have survived. And so Kim knows immediately. She's like, well, shit, like, Danny did the tourniquet. Like, 
And he, like, she knows at this point. She's like, he he was involved. I'm pretty sure he was the one that ordered the hit. Like, I'm pretty sure I've got this. I don't have the evidence, but I got this. So she goes over again. She tells everyone in the intelligence this in the bullpen. And again, but they don't really have any, like, hard evidence to go off of. So the only chance they have of, like, nailing Danny is basically if Gabriella talks. And... So now they've got to figure out which shelter she was taken at, at, taken to. And so Kim is able to narrow it down. And like all of a sudden, though, she's like at the shelter. And who else is there? Danny's there. And I like that whole interaction to me was just creepy as hell. Like it just came. It was just weird because, of course, he's like, well, like, what are you doing here? And he's like starts asking about like some of the things she pulled like well why did you pull a complaint you know every officer in the 13th district's like complaints like why'd you do that i just want to know the strategy about that like it's just i don't know he just like when i watched that scene and every time i've watched it since i was like i literally got like the creepy chills i was like this guy just rubs me the wrong way like it just felt Yep, yep, yep. And he's just like, of course, he's like, justice was served. Like, the case was closed. Like, you know, he's trying to pull, like, that whole thing. And it's like, okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So she finds, Kim is able to find Gabriella, who is, of course, like, hesitant to talk to the police first. Um, But Kim kind of is able to warm up to her a little bit. She tells her, you know, that she learned Spanish from a nanny that her family used to have. And then we get this conversation. Your English is really good. Should learn that in school. TikTok. Tu español. Um, when I was a kid, my parents didn't really want us around too much on weekends, so they sent me and my sister home with our nanny Sylvia, and she was Colombian. Do you still speak with her? Sometimes, yeah, Christmas and stuff. She has this great family, super close, all I ever wanted. Anyway, um, I wouldn't speak a word of English till I got to school on Monday. Sylvia was also undocumented, always looking over her shoulder, afraid they'd come for her and deport her. Gabriella, I have never understood the idea of an illegal human being. Yo sé cuánto coraje se necesita para hablar con un policía, especialmente sobre otro policía. Entonces estás clara de que antes de decir algo sobre esto, sobre él, voy a necesitar algo a cambio. So basically, Gabrielle's willing to talk, but she wants a secured future. She wants the paper. She wants to know that, like, her talking isn't going to mean that she's going to lose, you know, everything. Mm -hmm. She's already lost a lot, but she doesn't want to lose everything. So Kim tries her best to get her the papers, but comes up short through the official channels. So she takes her own money. 
and she goes to a random guy down by the district 13 and like is basically like look i know you do this i'm not coming here to bust you i actually need your help and you need to get me a green card you need to get me a work visa like you need me they need to look good so she gets the papers and she comes back to talk to Gabriella, and what does she see but Ice taking her away. And basically, the reason she got taken away is the shelter found drugs, you know, placed in the church. And so basically, obviously, that was replanted. We know as viewers that that wasn't Gabriella, but um, so now they're stuck. So, of course, because Kim goes to Voyage. But they still, at this point, they still only have evidence that's circumstantial. Like, without Gabriella's testimony, they can't do anything. So, Kim starts, she's working on her, she's working her, be- her booty because she's trying to get some real evidence. Because she knows it's the only way Danny's going down. And so, Adam's like, look, uh, remember that friend I have in ICE? And, you know, who was detailed to ICE? So, Kim calls him. And basically gives her the number that called in the tip to, like, track. Turns out it's a burner phone. The number was pinged at the 13th district. And they also traced the burner back to a diner. And at the diner, they get footage of Danny and Aaron Marshall two days before the shooting. They can see the cash exchange. Like, they see it all go down. So that's enough evidence for them to go get Danny. And it immediately cuts. You don't see, like, intelligence trying to, like, break into his house or anything. Like, it immediately cuts to Kim at Danny's house, like, in his garage or whatever that is. And we get this. Your wife said I could come back. She's lovely. You raped Raquel Bolivar. Jesus. Okay, look. I had a relationship with Raquel Boulevard. Okay? Look, I liked her. It was it was nice. All right, but I couldn't tell anyone for obvious reasons. <sighs> she wanted to have a baby, okay? She wanted to have an anchor baby. And like honestly, she broke my heart in the process. And then she died in my arms. You raped Raquel Bolivar, and when she told you she was gonna keep the baby. That wasn't going to be her decision either, was it? You think of these people as different from you, separate. Me? I I do. Burgess, do you, you think I haven't done my homework too? I know who you are. White savior, you, you, you found your black daughter on the streets. You checked that box, good for you. Now you're just over here looking for a new field to plow, man. So this migrant thing was just the best thing that could have happened to you, right? Come on. We know everything, Danny. Everything. Okay. What is it that you think that you know? Would you like to see the footage of you and Aaron Marshall at the diner on Deerborn? Stools at the counter, black coffee. Look good. Or the footage of Aaron Marshall 20 minutes later opening an envelope of cash that you gave him his payday for murdering Raquel. How many people do you have outside? Five. Got Tack in the alley, too. <sighs> you got two ways to play it, Danny. You can confess, plead out, 
Maybe see your grandkids one day before you're done. But if you make me work for it, that's solitary with maybe one hour of yard a day till you die. There's another way. Not for me. It's for me. Let me. Or just give me five minutes alone. Okay, give me five minutes alone with my family. Let a man hug his wife and his children goodbye, and I promise you, I'll save you a bunch of headaches. Okay? You thought I'd let you take the easy way out? No. I, this whole scene, I was just sitting there kind of in awe of Marina. I was like, damn. Like, because this is at the end, obviously, and, like, the last thing you really see about the case. And I was just like, damn. I was like, Marina in this episode, like, absolutely killed it. I was just... So good. So impressed. And it's also just, it's really hard to watch, because obviously, like, all the stuff with Danny and, like, how he's like, well, you know, I was I was into Raquel, and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it was just a lot. Did we realize until the end before that he was married? Um, I mean, I don't think it was ever explicitly said, but like, I guess if I was really wanting to pay attention, did he have a wedding ring on? Like, I guess, yeah, because like I guess also, I don't know. I didn't pay attention that much because it just like it just makes it even achier. Like, yeah, they were never having a legitimate relationship. Right. And he's trying to blame it all on her when really it's his. But he was cheating on his wife. Well, and like he. And he raped Raquel. And, you know, and he's trying to blame it on her that, like, no, it was consensual. Oh, okay. I forgot. Yep. He raped. Yeah, he raped it was her. Not, they were in a relationship. He actually raped her. Yep. Yeah. Well, he's trying to play it off like, no, I liked her, but she broke my heart. She wanted a baby and blah blah blah. And I think I had just forgotten about the rape early. Like I knew it was him. I knew there was a rape. Forgotten about the rape earlier, and just like all of a sudden rewrote the story and was like, they were in a relationship, but he was actually cheating on his wife. I mean, but he, he was cheating on his wife. I mean, right? But like, also, like the situation is yeah. even worse than that. There was no consensual relationship. Yes, he was cheating on his wife when he raped. Right. He's just trying to blame it on her because he's like, oh, she want she wants a baby and she wants an anchor baby, so obviously she'll get to stay in the U.S. and like you know all that stuff. And I just like even watching this back. I because I definitely I mentioned it earlier the first like in the beginning of the thing I was like oh he's gonna die I was like something's gonna happen and he's gonna die yeah and then and I totally missed it the first time I rewatched it but the second time I rewatched it I you there are certain moments throughout the episode where you can kind of see something like basically like in the back of Danny's eyes like that like he's like something's not right that like he's yeah. maybe not as innocent as he seemed, but I totally okay. missed that on the first watch. Do you think? 
I mean, clearly he's awful and he's a rapist. Do you think there was, I don't know if you call it racism, hate for the migrant population fueling any of it this as well? Um, I don't know. I mean, that's what Kim says. Like, Kim is, you know, trying to make, you know, Kim says that, like, you hated them too. You know, that's why you were doing this. I mean, I don't know because I, you know, we don't know enough about the situation, but I would right. assume that that's probably part of it. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know. It's something, um, it's just interesting because he purposely like tried to pin it on a white supremacist. Um, yeah, because he tries to turn it back to him and he's like, look, I, I know who I'm dealing with. Like, I did my, you know, due diligence. I know that you, you know, basically like saved your black daughter and, you know, you're the white savior, which is not really how that happened. But like, I get in the eyes of, you know, everyone. Well, you can mean more so the original like suspects. He was angry about that. Who was a white right. supremacist. Like it was the part, like, and so there's a part there that I'm like, so what, what's the deal there with him? But it's just something to think about. Yeah. But no, like I said, and I just, the whole, I mean, especially in the back half of the episode, like, he just gave me such the creeps. And I'm trying to look up the guy who played him, the name, because I thought he did an excellent job. I thought he was very remember good. In the, I do remember in the very beginning, I felt like he was weirdly chipper and friendly in a bizarre way, especially for I guess in my mind, I just did not think that they were gonna make him the oh no, I didn't bad see that. guy. So like in my mind, I was like, well, normally you know when someone joins intelligence, it usually ends up bad for him. But like I thought that meant he was gonna die, right? Not that like he was gonna end up being the bad guy. Um, but the guy's name who played Danny, his name is EJ Vanilla Bania. I don't know. I probably butchered that, but I thought he did a great job playing danny he was very good so i just want to give him a shout out like that he was great um but then we go back to the berzik household for the end of this episode and kim comes home and she sees adam and michaela they're like asleep on the couch and so she like wakes adam up and he takes michaela to her room and then they go into their bedroom and we get this so did you find gabriella yeah i got her out of federal custody all right she's gonna testify i'm trying to get somebody at the church to sponsor her so she'll have a place to stay at least you know <laughs> kim you are kind of a walking miracle adam i used my own money our money to buy gabriella fake immigration papers today i don't even know what i was thinking i just it was never going to work. I just... In some cases, you'll do whatever it takes. But these women... Adam, these women, Gabriella, Raquel, it's just... They're just fighting for the same thing that everybody's fighting for, you know? A home. A family. What we have now... Sure. And I know that we fought like hell for well, it. we bled for it. No, I know, I know, I know, but it's, it's still... It's just... It doesn't seem fair. No, I suppose not. 
promise me we'll keep fighting for this. Because I need us, Adam. I need this family. Well, you know I will. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I'll keep fighting for it for the rest of my life. gonna do a whole thing here, but um, it seems better. Let's get married. Let's make it forever. Third time's a charm, huh? And cue everyone's minds being blown because nobody saw this coming. Rachel, what are your thoughts? I'm just sitting here smiling happily. Like, it was just, it was lovely. Like, I don't even know. Like, it was just, I loved being surprised. I loved how simple it was. I loved that it, like, bookended an episode that started with them just like doing their thing and living their life and yeah. like thinking about how not long ago we were all not we were all there was lots of debate if like they could ever really happen together and like they're yeah. not treating each other well and it just was like a fun reflection of like how did we get there yeah and like what did this little girl do to help bring them to this place it was just lovely yeah i i there was a lot of people who thought that if another proposal ever happened it was gonna have to be kim who proposed because basically adam kind of knew that like he was happy with just you know them being kind of back together and being in their lives and he wasn't going to be the one to like push that so they thought that, like, if anything was ever going to happen, like, in terms of an engagement, it was going to have to be Kim. But I'm yeah. really happy with the way it turned out. I like that Kim wasn't expecting him to come out with an engagement, but, like, she needed to hear from him that, like, they were going to be committed to their family and committed to that fact. And that he just saw that as the perfect time. Like, obviously, he had already been planning it, but that, like... His way of committing that to her was the engagement. I just, I really, I really enjoyed that. Um, and I think it is, I hadn't heard that, but I think it is showing like, yes, he was the one who technically engaged marriage or proposed marriage with an engagement ring, but she was effectively initiating the like, I want this to be forever. Right. And, and she would have been be. okay if he had just said like, yeah, I'm committed to that. Like I, I right. we're on the same page. Like that's all she needed to hear in that moment. But he right. obviously took it to the next level and you know proposed. Um, yeah, and also just something about it because obviously we've seen them in this place before. But like something about just watching them in this particular scene, like where they were at the first time they got engaged, and they were such babies. And just seeing all the shit they've gone through now, like, we're basically that season two, and now we're in season 11. So that's literally nine years later, almost a whole decade later. And just, like, looking at them now and where they're at and, like, how happy they are and, like, all the shit they've gone through. And I was just like, wow. I was like, 
they've really like I didn't know if we'd ever get back here again but like I'm so glad because yeah the journey sucked like there was a lot of times where it really sucked but like it came out in the end it's a beautiful thing and I was just like as I was just watching them I was like wow like compared to where those babies were you know basically a decade late you know ago it was like wow um agreed it was just it was beautiful it was it really was it was it was beautiful it was do you think though I I I have my own opinions but do you think we'll get a wedding or no or will something happen and they just find themselves like you know we're gonna fuck it we're just gonna go get married at the courthouse or something I'll upset are you saying do you think we'll get a wedding on screen yes I don't know there I would think so like we're not gonna get a Stellaride wedding we're not gonna get I don't think we'll even get a like Dawson Casey wedding no we're not gonna get the upcoming Brett and Casey wedding either no I do think I would hope that they give us something. And I think, like, knowing, like, A, Michaela has to be there. Well, yes. Um, And I think, I don't think she'll let them not do something fun. But I think it will be much smaller and less formal than... I don't think either of them want to go through that again. Like, I, I, yeah. I... My heart and my gut say no, and that's only because I have a hard time in this style of PD and the way that these episodes are written that, like, they're gonna do a wedding. Like, even in one of Marina's, like, postmortems, like, somebody asked her about, like, are we gonna see Kim doing, like, any wedding planning? And she was basically, like yeah no basically like this isn't fire like you know basically basically almost like leave it like fire's well, doing it and that's great of, like right that's very kind of like it wouldn't surprise me if there is similar to how we got a glimpse of what their daily life is like if bookending the beginning or the end of an episode you see something of it like like afterwards or before or Michaela doing something or saying something I just Again, style of the show, they can't really do anything big on screen. Well, yeah, they're not going to do a whole episode to a wedding. That's not... Right. But I I can see a world where we get, or I would hope we get some kind of glimpse of what it is that happens. Yeah. And I would imagine what it is that happens is more than what happened with Jay and Haley. I hope so. I hope so. Just for them and, like, their journey, I hope that it's more than, well, like... Well, it has to because of Michaela. Like, I don't even think it's possible because the minute you introduce a child into it, she gets to have a little more fun, even if it is just them at the courthouse. Yeah, for sure. The fact that Michaela's there. And honestly, I like, I'm okay if we just stay where we're at for, like, right now. Like, I don't need it this <laughs> season. And, like, the next step I would want them to do is, like, I... Has Adam officially adopted Michaela? Yeah, that's true. Like, I give me that first. Like, the wedding come later. Like, well, and is that to further cement the like? Okay, this is real. Like, this is our family, and right now, like, this is forever. Like, yeah, come on now. Yeah. So 
but either way, I mean, regardless, I, what I would, would like to see what I can see as seeing is the scenes where we do get Michaela in the beginning or under wherever her talking about like her getting excited about wedding things and have to be like, fuck down. That would be fun. I mean, yeah. Michaela as like the flower girl. I mean, being like, I want to wear this dress and then being like, hold slow, slow down. Yeah. That would be fun. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I did not see this coming and it kind of broke my mind last night. Yeah. Gave me lots of smiles. I was glad I stayed awake. Yeah, I was too. Cause I did not know if I was, and it was really special. Cause like Gina and I were on FaceTime last night with each other. And so it was like really special, even though she's like, when we watch things together, it's like slight, she's slightly delayed, but like. It was still really nice to be in that moment and be like, holy shit, like, I can't yeah. believe this is happening. Like, that was just, like, we don't, it doesn't usually happen that much to, like, to be on fate. Like, it was just a very, that, like, that happened in that moment. It was, like, very special. Love it. So, um, we will wrap this up with some listener thoughts. Speaking of Gina, at Gina Watches TV said so has adam just been sleeping with that ring on his nightstand just in case this whole time the same ring he proposed with in season two because damn that's a good man also love y'all and thanks for filling in for me rachel <laughs> can i ponder that like i don't i don't want to bring gina down but like it wouldn't surprise me if adam just like literally never got rid of the ring and stashed it in a drawer and, well, I guess it wouldn't have been in the drawer he's sleeping in a room with Kim. So maybe not. Right. He back. didn't live in that same spot. If but, it had been his, like, old apartment, it wouldn't surprise me. Like, Yeah. And also, it doesn't it doesn't surprise me either that he didn't get rid of it. Because I think yeah. he knew somewhere deep down that, like, one day right. he would give it back to her. But, like, because a lot of things were like, is it the same ring? And I'm like, yeah, there's no box. Like, I don't think he bought a new ring and, like, didn't have a box for it. So, like, yeah. why would he take any ring out of the box? So, like, it's obviously the same ring. But, like, yeah. I don't know. I Why he was... I, yeah. But, I mean, I guess he had it in there just in case. Like, I don't know why it was in there and not somewhere else. But... Love it. Matter, Maybe that's it worked totally, out. like, private space. And I don't know. Yeah. Um, so Megan R said, cue the Christina Yang, somebody to date me gif, because that's how I'm feeling about all the Berzik this week, especially during the ending. I hope we get to see Michaela's reaction to the proposal because it would be the cutest thing ever. Yeah. Even if I just need to see one scene of her being like excited about the wedding, excited about them, like finally really being, you know, getting me like, I just need one scene of it in some regard. You know what they should what because it, again pd's tone um one of my favorite things is when our friends with kids like want to make like video like youtube videos but they won't post them on youtube so they just send yeah them yeah yeah i think we need like webisodes of michaela's fake vlog um talking about all this I just need more Michaela. Like, let's be real. In whatever capacity they're going to give it to me, I, I need more Michaela. Agreed. I was a little disappointed. I was going to say one of the things I was disappointed about the episode was that all we got of her was her sleeping. Like, yeah. And even in last week's episode, you literally only get her, like, the back of her head is like they're talking at dinner. 
and like well adam's yeah. like spaced out in that beginning scene and it's like, like so curious if they're paying her for for like the day of work is it just that much i mean i assume so it easier to do it just for without her talking i was like why why can't we get her awake yeah and i mean i get the point of the scene you know i get it why yeah. you know but but yeah. we love michaela more michaela more michaela um Aaron Kay said, Marina was hyping this episode, so I was really excited because the last time she hyped an episode, first it got packed together. I thought maybe we were going to get an I love you or maybe talk about adoption or their future together, but I did not see this proposal coming. I thought it was going to be way too soon, and I was like, there's no way. But I'm ecstatic, like literally have no words. I don't know how I'm forming a sentence right now because I'm just in such shock that I don't really know what to say. I'm going to need seven to ten business days to recover from this because it was so perfect. It was exactly how I would want a proposal between them to go. There was a lot of articles afterwards with interviews from Marina saying how beautiful and perfect it was. It was simple. It was them. And you know that's the same ring. Okay, how? Okay. <laughs> yeah it, it was them and that's why i said i was like staring at them and i was just thinking back to like baby barzik and like the yeah. first time he proposed and it's like look how far they've come and like i was just sitting there and i'm like i almost like even on rewatch this morning i was like almost like getting teary because i was just like wow like yeah. i was like wow and especially given like all the other ship stuff going on in the PD world specifically and like how much of a disaster that's become like seeing this I was like okay I was just like I needed this little dose of happy like I was like I really needed that in that moment um it was really beautiful it's really beautiful um, Devin A said it was exactly how I would want a proposal between them to go. The postmortem with Marina saying how beautiful and perfect it was. It was simple. It was them. And you know that's the same ring. This just makes it so much more special that Adam knew that ring was meant for Kim and only Kim and he would eventually give it to her again. I can't help but blush every time I think about them. Uh, they both been through hell and back, literally, and they have taken some huge steps in their relationship to show their commitment to one another. It had been speculated by myself and many of us in the Berzik fandom that maybe Kim should propose to Adam this time around. And I think she somewhat gave him the green light to go ahead by asking him to never stop fighting for their family. And he took the opportunity to prove her right. Just the way he worded it, let's make it forever, is so sweet and simple, but so meaningful. And now my heart is fluttering again. I don't need a wedding this season by any means, but if it happens, so be it. I don't think it's going to happen this season only because it's a short season. Yeah. So it would kind of surprise me if they pull off a wedding in yeah. 10 episodes, basically. But, yeah. My heart. Um, and lastly, Jess H. said, I love them so much and how they've become a the family they need. They can rely on each other for any and everything. They've both been through their own hell, but have, e have had each other every step of the way. Now they have Mac, and it brought them even closer. I just love them so much. Badass cops, badass parents, and next, badass husband and wife. Aww. That's cute. That would make Very. it fun. Um, but yeah. And any other PD notes? I think so. I, I liked, I mean, I thought this was a good episode. I know, like I said, Agreed. I know there's some other, I know a lot of people... There are some people who didn't like it, but 
I enjoyed it. But I'm excited for Taurus to come back next episode next week because I've missed him. PD is super thin. (laughs) Like the cast is barely barely cast anymore. I'm on Taurus. I think some of his storylines are interesting. Some of them are not. I just feel like they haven't, like, because they've had him go and come so many times, it's like... It's hard again, to... Con- yeah, it's hard to get to know him, but I like what we've seen. I just, it's like, dude, like, even this one, it's like, oh, Taurus is out on furlough. Oh, okay. I have a lot of, I mean, we've talked about it, but I have a lot of trouble with PD just because of their structure. And it's like, when yeah. you make me wait four or five weeks to see someone again more than just like a glimpse of them or them running around the 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 station i have trouble caring about them yeah for long so even like like characters i would otherwise care about and people i think i did like in the earlier seasons before this model i'm like oh great what's atwater up to i haven't heard from him in like five weeks like it's hard to feel or care about the characters which is why I think the couples are easier because at least you kind of get two weeks of them. Yeah. So they get more attention, which also feels unfair and I think makes it so that like, I do like the solo characters like Atwater or Torres less because I'm like, again, they're around a whole lot less. Yeah. I even put it in my wish list for this season that like, and I know it's not going to happen, but like, I'm not asking them to change their way. Their whole ep- seasons are structured because that's not going to happen. And I know that's not going to happen. But like, give me one less scene of the case and replace it with one more scene of personal because that's not a huge yeah. change. And at least yeah. it's a start to like a little bit more of the people we like and want to see more of them. Because yeah. I know they're not they're at this point, they're not going to change as much as I hate it, they're not going to probably change the way the show is structured with, like, a basically each person gets a week. But, right. like, at least if you're not going to change that, take one scene of the case because, like, there are some scenes you don't you just don't need to make the case work. Just take one scene of that and replace it with one personal scene and, like, slowly start a little more transition that way. But even, and even beyond that, like, it doesn't feel like it was so extreme in the past where, like, you barely hear words out of the other characters. Like, there's no reason why an episode focused on Kim or an episode focused on Adam can't have a casual conversation between him and Torres in the car that mentions something about Torres's life in passing or shows Torres having some form of emotion or same with Atwater. Like it's to the extreme now that you literally only even not see like the other ones are in the background, but like yeah. it makes me wonder a lot about how filming these episodes, what it's like for these actors filming these episodes. Cause do they feel like they basically get a ton of weeks off? Like, like it just, I don't think I would like working on it. I think I would get bored because one fifth of the time or one fourth of the time you're in like a couple scenes yeah it's very bizarre yeah no it is it's it's a weird one yeah it's a weird one rachel any final thoughts about anything i don't think so i got a little heated tonight i'm sorry about that (laughs) that's okay that's what i that's what i wanted i 
I always get, whenever you come on, I will say, I get a lot of people's feedback about how much they like hearing your different opinions and that like, even if you don't, cause like, I feel like a lot of times people are like, well, you and Gina just disagree all the time or, you know, you agree all the time. And it's like, I mean, we're friends. Like we are really, you know, she's one of my best friends. Like, of course, I feel like we're just naturally going to agree on a lot of things, but it's, I do get a lot, like I get a lot of good feedback. People like when you come on the podcast because you, even if you don't agree with me, you're going to say what it is. So it's funny because we both read and watch and like a lot of the same, like actual things. Yes, but then we do. when it comes to like the this. characters in the stories, <laughs> yeah, we completely disagree. And like, so it's completely really completely disagree. Yeah. We have like completely differing opinions of who we like and who we don't. And so it's really funny to me that but that's- like, the beautiful right. thing right that right. like we can watch the same thing and like get enjoyment out of such different things you know even right. though we don't you know i that's and the I beauty of recommendations it. like when you give me a recommendation i get excited but i'm like but who knows what part of it i'm gonna like it's probably something very different from what brian likes because it's literally not just in one chicago too it's no, like a lot of like things our, and literally <laughs> everything i think we've both texted about we disagree on For the most, and there's a few things we do agree on but there's, there's a few a, things we do yeah. there's a few things i have become much more of a neutral shipper these days i would say in general where it's like, like a diehard shipper care who yeah. the character i like the characters themselves but i'm not like eh, whichever one they end up with i'm okay with um, yeah and, and i'm like that's still also like where we disagree yeah and i'm still like a diehard shipper i watch through like a shipper lens like everything yeah and i i know that about myself it's the same way with like my reading i'm like oh not romance okay i don't really want to read it like that's the thing is i like the romantic scenes but i don't and i like the characters i just don't attach myself to certain cup like ride or die on certain couples and then yeah. again the same thing is like hating certain couples i very rarely hate them like even the ones where i say i'm like not a shipper or i don't like yeah, you don't hate Hannah, them yeah i don't hate them there is something about them that rubs me the wrong way yeah and that's why i don't ship them but like i also don't actively hate them ship a lot of other couples because I'm like eh, they make each other happy great I love those scenes but like when they're with someone new two years from now I'll like that person too like yeah 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 it is just funny though because I we yeah. t- we agree to disagree <laughs> that's where we're at yeah. yep um, that's where we're at but no thank you seriously for coming on I love having yeah. you fill in it's a I always love it um and I'm going to keep forcing you to watch PD so you can come back eventually. I'll keep watching. I can't promise I'll pay great attention to every episode, nor will I pr- watch every episode at 10 p.m. Oh. But I'll keep watching. No. No. That's fine. I don't need you to watch every episode at 10 p.m. Um, <gasps> but if people want to find you, where can they find you on the interwebs? RH Becker 18 although... I lurk on Twitter sometimes, but since this fall, stopped reading it quite a bit, but I check Fair. in for you all. Fair. Um, and you guys know where to find us. We are Meet Us at Molly's all across the board. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, everything. Um, you can follow Gina at Gina Watches TV. I'm at Brian K13. 
Um, as long as there's new episodes, we will have new episodes of the pod. So we will be back next week. And until then, have a great weekend, everybody. Bye. <laughs>